0: I'm gonna make you What you can find If a daddy's rich Take a rap or a meal If a daddy's boy Just do what you feel Scoot it over me You'll be down Or return 25 When the sun goes down You can make it Make it the totally fine We're the fat people We're the daddy We're not mean We love everybody But we do as we please Sailing in the sea We're always happy As we live in yeah, That's our philosophy
1: Again, Welcome to another exciting edition of Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff, Drexel, and Ballas show tonight, at least for the moment, only with Druff. Drexel will be back later. He is with family at the moment. It's my fault I didn't tell him about the change in schedule, because this show, if you're not listening live, is airing one day early. Actually, 23 and a half hours early, because we're starting, uh, well, it's supposed to be 7.30, it's more like 7.40 now. But, starting a day early because I cannot make tomorrow, very simply because I need someone to watch my son. And tomorrow, there's nobody to watch him. So, we're doing the show on Monday instead of Tuesday. But next week, we will be back to Tuesday. Now, of course, last week, this show did not run, because PokerFraudAlert.com, along with VegasPokerRadio.com, that was the main site doing it, did the Iron Man 22Q Foundation charity podcast, where our very own Drexel and Jacep and uh, Kevin Wright did a 50-hour podcast, a 50-hour show. People say this show is too long sometimes when it's four hours or five hours. That show was 50 hours. And they were all there almost the whole time. In fact, I don't even know if Kevin Wright ever took a break. I know Jason and Brandon did, and I took over hosting for a few hours. But for the most part, they were there for 50 hours. Unbelievable. I, I'll tell you right now, I couldn't do that. If someone came to me telling me to do a 50-hour podcast, even if it was for a great cause, I just couldn't do it. So, congratulations to them for making that work. I'm seeing the chat that Kevin took a break. But still, I mean, that was unbelievable. And they, they raised a lot of money. I think five figures. And it's for a very good cause for the 22Q Foundation, which uh, benefits children who are afflicted with that uh, disorder, the 22Q disorder. And uh, so it raised money, raised awareness, and it's great. So that's what we did last week on this show, though it wasn't technically this show. It was on PokerFraudAlert.com and VegasPokerRadio.com. And where Poker Fraud Alert came in was that since we have the more reliable server... Which is hard to believe, given all the times we have technical problems. But uh, we do have the more reliable server. So they asked, hey, can we use your server for it? And I said, yeah, sure. So they used our server. It was broadcast, if we went to either site, 50 straight hours. So that's what we did last week. I wasn't much part of it. I came on for a few hours here and there. Mainly the three of them, and they did a very good job with it. And it was surprisingly interesting, despite the length you would think after 50 hours they would struggle for content, struggle for things to talk about, but they didn't. In fact, I think if they weren't exhausted, they could have talked more. So anyway, that's what happened last week. This week, we're on a different day, only because, as I said, I couldn't make it tomorrow. Unfortunately, because I changed the day of the show for one week, it screwed up things for the other co-hosts. And I can't blame them, i got to blame myself. Uh, Vowels just simply can't make it, because their schedule doesn't allow for Monday nights. And Drexel, had I told him in time, could have made it, but I didn't bother to tell him. I kind of thought I told him, but I didn't. So, he is actually with family now, with something he planned, thinking that he had Monday night to himself, and I couldn't tell him to reverse that, obviously. So, uh, he will be back whenever he's done with his family. That's part of the reason we started late tonight. So, hopefully we'll get more of Drexel. So anyway, uh, Drexel will come when he comes. And as I said, don't blame him for it. This is my fault. I did not tell him until uh, he saw it for himself. And I said, hey, don't worry about it. I know you have other plans, and I should have told you away in advance. Let me tell you about the free roll. Um, In fact, I have have to see if there's a free roll. What happened was uh, the server for the No Fraud Online Poker Room had problems, and I could not go on there to even set up, set the tournament, I couldn't do anything, and the, the server for that part of the site is something that's not under my control, that's under the control of Bellybuster, who does a great job, but I believe that he's actually in, well, I, I know he's in Europe, so he may not be awake, and as far as I can tell, huh, I guess, I guess it went back up, I don't know. But anyway, you guys can play for fun tonight, Uh, there's no free roll, simply because I couldn't go set it up in time, and uh, I see some people can get through, but uh, I don't know if it's actually running tonight, if it is, people didn't have enough notice, and uh, I wanted a free roll tonight, we just, uh, one, didn't have the money for it, and two... More importantly, the server was not uh, working properly for me to set it up, so I apologize about that, but uh, if there is a tournament running and you can access it, then go ahead and play. I think it already started, though. (laughs) So, with that fail behind us, let me go on and tell you the agenda for tonight. Uh, Obviously, I'm looking forward to Brandon returning. It's hard to do a show by yourself, especially an entertaining show. I I can do an informative show by myself, it's just hard to entertain by myself without uh, a partner to bounce off of. But I'm going to try. But let me tell you the topics I'm going to talk about tonight. And of course, you guys are welcome to call in. The only thing I want to ask that people don't bring up if you call in is the various forum drama that's been going on. I I don't want to talk about forum drama. We can talk about that on the forum. This is the radio show. It's separate from the forum. I don't want it to be taken over by drama on the forum. So, please don't call in about that. If you do, I'm not going to discuss it. Anything else is fair game, though. 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355 is the phone number. Please show your caller ID when you call in, because I think I actually have a setting on my phone here that won't let the call go through unless you show your number. So, uh, make sure you do that or you won't get through. But here's the agenda for tonight's show. And if there's something else you'd like to talk about or ask about, feel free to call in. And uh, I can't tell you I'll take your call at all times during the show. I may be in the middle of something, in the middle of a rant, in the middle of a discussion, middle of another call. But uh, I'll try to tell you guys when I'm taking calls. Or you can just take your shot and see if you reach me. Or if you want to hear my girlfriend's voice, you want to hear the voice of the woman who uh, procreated with me, you can do that too because she's on the uh, voicemail there. Here's the agenda. Uh, keep in mind, some of these things happened more than a week ago because we haven't done the show in two weeks, so I apologize if some of these topics are older to you. But I, I really like talking about everything that happens, and while if we didn't do the show for like a month, I wouldn't be talking about month-old topics, I think the things that happened like, say, you know, a week and a half ago are still relevant, if I haven't discussed it yet. Here's the agenda. The Partouche Poker Tour. Now, they've had problems before of a different type, but they have another problem, a bigger one. They had a 5 million euro guarantee. They got 4.3 million euros worth of buy-ins. So they should have added 700,000 euros to the prize pool. Well, they didn't. They refused. And a big controversy blew up over that, and the poker media got a hold of it, and Everyone, of course, was on the same side on this one. I mean, there's, <laughs> unless you're the owner of the Partouche Poker Tour, and maybe work for it, uh, no one's going to argue on their side on this. Uh, they even tried to lie about it and cover it up, but uh, people had the proof that there was a $5 million guarantee that they actually tried to cover up when they didn't make it. And I'll tell you what happened with that. There was a happy ending, but uh, pretty unbelievable the whole way that thing went down and uh, the way the owner of the Partouche Poker Tour treated the players. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the possibility that the World Series of Poker will not be run by Caesars, aka Harris next year. As soon as 2013, it could be owned and operated by another company. We will discuss that. Daniel Negreanu slams Mason Malmuth, related to last week's 22Q Foundation Iron Man podcast, on this very site. Daniel Negranu heard about this and was actually very angry, not at the podcast, not at the hosts, but at Mason Malamuth for not allowing it to be promoted. So I'll talk about that. He had some very, very harsh words for Mason Malamuth, who he already didn't like. But uh, he really went off on him on on, uh, Full Contact Poker, which is his site. Another update regarding the possibility of AP and UB players getting paid back. I know a lot of you say, hey, I should have no sympathy for those players. And I, I don't have any sympathy for the players on AP and UB who continued playing after the scandal and knew all about the scandal and just kept playing there because it was a soft sight because they were greedy. Those people, I hope, don't get paid. But the ones I hope do get paid are the people who had no clue. Just the average poker player who sees a cool AP ad or a cool UB ad in a magazine or plays because Phil Hellmuth played there and wore a UB cap. Those people who had no clue about its past and played and lost their money because the site pretty much did what Full Tilt did. I hope those people get paid back. Unfortunately, there won't be any differentiation between those two groups on who gets paid and who doesn't, but we'll talk about the chances of whether or not people from AP and UB, when I say people, I mean the players, will ever get paid or if they can kiss that money goodbye. There's some new updates on that. Howard Letterer has another legal defense. He's attempting, through his lawyers, of course, to... Get off the hook for his role in the full tilt scandal. Tell you about that. now a lot of you have heard about the South Point and that's a casino in Las Vegas that is the first one to receive a license to offer legalized. US online poker. It will only be allowed in Nevada when I say in Nevada I mean you have to be a you have to be physically present in Nevada to play on it. You can't just be a Nevada resident you actually have to be there in Nevada. But it will be the first form of online poker that is allowed in the United States, legally. And the South Point may have it up by October. Now, that's old news. What's not old news is the fact that another company is entering the mix. They probably won't be ready anywhere near the time that the Stratosphere is ready. Sorry, I just gave it away. It's going to be the Stratosphere. They won't be ready when the South Point's ready. But uh, they've been licensed to provide online poker to Nevada residents. We may have an interview tonight with 408Mike, kind of a unique guy on these forums. He has a lot of problems that he's the first to admit, but uh, we'll talk to him if I can reach him tonight and uh, hear about his life and his problems and uh, maybe get to know him a little bit. I will attempt to reach the girl who may have ripped off Ken Scaler in a dine-and-ditch sort of thing. Now, you heard this story before a few weeks ago. We tried to reach her and could not. We will try again tonight. Also during the show, um, I'll be reading the chat room, taking questions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, one, one other thing we'll talk about tonight is Michael Phelps. There's a report on TMZ that he won $100,000 playing poker. Where did he win it? Was it at the Bellagio? Nope. Was it at the Aria? Nope. So where could he have possibly won that? Maybe the win? No, how about Caesar's Palace? Caesar's Palace, which is not known to ever spread high-limit poker, somehow it's said that he won 100k at Caesar's. I'll tell you whether or not I believe that. And anything else we want to discuss here is also on the table. 775 fraud 55 775-372, 8355. Uh, The chat room is clamoring to hear about the Templar. And uh, what's going to happen with that? I'll tell you the reason I have not paid anyone yet for the Templar scam. It's because I keep forgetting to. But um, I know I say this every week, and I have no excuse for this. but he does need to be paid. and I am going to um, I am going to uh, address this after the show. Not during the show, I don't really have much more to say. I've got to go through the thread where people asked for his, uh, when I asked for people to give me information on his scams for each person, and who, who I need to be pay, pay back and how much. Um, I need to go through that again and uh, figure out who gets what. And I haven't done that yet, just because I keep forgetting to. But I'll do it. I want to thank our sponsor, BracketGeek.com. We recently had a little contest on there for the best poster and the worst poster. $50 went to each one. We actually tried to cover up the second $50 the one for the worst poster because we didn't want uh, the worst posters to be influenced by that. We didn't want people not voting for a certain worst poster because they didn't want him to win. So we kind of kept that second $50 quiet. The first $50 went to the best poster. And uh, that was courtesy of Pooh. And uh, Pooh, we thank him. He's given a lot of different generous donations to the site for purposes of free rolls and contests. Anyway, the winner of the best poster was Crow Diddley. He beat me. He beat me pretty handily, actually. Uh, you know, Bracket Geek, it's it's bracket format. It's like bracket format voting. You know how the NCAA tournament works in bracket format? Bracket Geek's just like that, except instead of teams playing each other and, and the winner of each bracket moving on, it's voting questions. So we had a bracket for the best poster and the, for the worst poster. And I made it all the way to the end, all the way to the finals. And I can't say I got swept in the finals, but I, I'd say if you like looked at the finals as like a seven-game series, I lost like 4-2 to two to Crow Diddley. I think he beat me like uh, more than 2-1. to one, Slightly more than 2-1. to one. So uh, Crow Diddley universally loved on these forums. I don't know anyone that doesn't like him. And uh, he was recognized as the best poster. Congratulations to him. I was second best. Now, had I won, I would have given the money back since it's my side, but uh, I finished a distant second. Jay Searles 22 won for the worst poster, and he did get his $50. Of course, in typical worst poster fashion, he whined about it that I hadn't paid him fast enough. It hadn't even been that long. It had been like a few days. But I paid him. He has his $50. Anyway, uh, congratulations to both the best and the worst, and uh, thank you, of course, to Pooh for running that contest. So, um, I thank everybody I, I'm looking through. I see that a few people did donate to the free roll and we'll hold this over for next week just because of the server problems. I, I, I tried for, you know, during the late afternoon to get the thing up and, um, first it was down completely and then after that I had a problem where I couldn't, uh, I couldn't adjust anything when I tried to log in as the administrator it was having a problem. So, uh, I sent a message to Bellybuster. never heard back from him and, um, I assume he's sleeping. Uh, no fault of his, he does a great job running it, and he does a great job reporting every week who wins the free roll and who finishes second and third, and he, he does this all out of the goodness of his heart. He, he doesn't, uh, you know, I don't pay him for this. He runs this on his own server, his own electricity. He pays everything himself, and he does a lot of the work himself, just just to be a nice guy, and I appreciate that. So next week we will have a free roll, and I apologize for not having it this week. So, uh, good, one good thing this week compared to two weeks ago is we're not going to have a short show. We're going to get to everything. We're not going to rush through anything. And um, I imagine when Brandon comes, the show will uh, really kick into high gear. Let me move right into the things I want to talk about. The Partouche Poker Tour. They cheated the players out of the guarantee. Now, you guys are all familiar with... Fam- familiar... Why well, I can't talk tonight. You guys are all familiar with guarantees where a tournament is stated by the organizer that it will have a minimum prize pool of a certain amount. And no matter how many people enter, even if two people enter, they are going to hold it and have that guarantee. Meaning that if there aren't enough entries to meet that guarantee, the house adds money. So it's one of the few cases where the house loses money on a poker tournament. And it's one of the few cases where poker is not just a zero-sum game, but it's actually a positive-sum game meaning that uh, if you add up all the money won by the players and all the money lost by the players, it comes out where the players won more than they lost, which almost never happens. Like, think about it at at a cash game. The house takes a rake every time. A tournament, the house takes a rake every time. Here, there is a rake, but there's not enough players to where the prize pool gets added to enough to where uh, the rake not only disappears, but they're paying you to play. So that's always great. It's called an overlay. Anyway, there's a big overlay... At the Partouche Poker Tour. A 5 million euro guarantee. And I haven't looked at what the Euro's at. But I think it's worth like a dollar twenty or something. 5 million euro guarantee. And they only got. 4.3 million euros worth of buy-ins. So. They should have added 700 euros. 700 thousand euros, euros. To the prize pool. But. They didn't. They claim there is no guarantee. They claim that. When they said $5 million, they just meant that it will probably be around $5 million. That's the estimated prize pool. That's not what was guaranteed. Now, that's a common trick that's going on these days. In fact, uh, Casino Arizona did this recently, where they, they didn't guarantee it, but they kind of made it look like they were. They were putting out all these signs about $1 million for their tournament. And then it says in small print, estimated prize pool. But at least they weren't tricking people. I mean, I guess you can say they were, but at least they didn't go back on what they promised. You could say they were kind of tricking them, but they weren't going back on what they promised. They didn't cancel a guarantee. And that's another trick that happens where uh, a casino finds an excuse to cancel a whole tournament if it doesn't meet the guarantee. But um, the Portuguese Poker Tour just decided they're just not going to give the additional money. They said it wasn't a guarantee. Well, thanks to the Google Cash, people went back and found on their website that there was a $5 million guarantee. It said it very clearly. Now it didn't say that anymore because they had actually removed it from the website. So this is really bad. The Partouche Poker Tour not only didn't honor their guarantee, but they actually covered up that there was a guarantee. They actually went and took evidence of a guarantee and removed it and denied it ever existed. But of course the Google Cash showed that they were guilty. So you would think at that point, when you show them a screenshot that Google had captured, that they said this is a $5 million guarantee. You'd think from their own website, if they could be shown that, they'd back down. No, they did not. Now here's what the owner of the Partouche Poker Tour had to say about it. He first gave a statement in French, this is during Day 3. This is the start of Day 3 speech, after all the controversy. This was what he had to say about a very arrogant old Frenchman Kind of looks like Colonel Sanders. Listen to this.
0: Uh, I do my best in English and it is time for to explain you what is my communication today. I heard recently
1: that there are two problems regarding the prize pool: was it guaranteed? Was it not guaranteed? Whatever. Let's stop right there. He said, "I heard from Vincente some problems about the prize pool. Was it guaranteed? Was it not guaranteed? Whatever, whatever." (laughs) <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, maybe we stole money from the prize pool, maybe we didn't, whatever. You can't say whatever about that. That's what the whole point is. You either guaranteed it or you didn't. But he's just dismissing that like it could go either way, no no biggie.
0: Whatever. I can't accept that after 14 years, this game in my life and my family's life is a business, is a game... I can't tell
1: you. Bakush is a liar or is a cheater. So. so what he's complaining about is after all these years, that he people actually have the nerve to say that he's a liar or a cheater. After all he's done for poker, how can they say this about him? Well, because you lied and you cheated. You cheated people by not putting in the guaranteed money you promised you would, and you lied by claiming it wasn't on your website, and you further lied by still claiming that, after people showed you proof that it was. So yes, people call you a liar or a cheater, because you are. can't be mad about that. I always love when people who do bad things, do evil things, do sneaky things, get caught, and instead of just keeping their mouths shut, or instead of apologizing, they actually get mad that people have a negative opinion of them. They actually get mad that people are calling them names or making judgments about them. You can't get mad at people for catching you trying to cheat them. When people have caught you cheating and they have bad things to say about you, you can't act outraged about it. You're not the victim.
0: Crazy. I am respectful to all the governors, all the customers, that's why I get on the that this, this edition of the Papus Popiato will be the last one, together. I'm sorry...
1: So he's announcing now that because people caught him cheating, he's going to take his ball and go home. That's it. The Partouche Poker Tour is over. That's it. We're quitting because, uh, well, I'm mad that I tried to cheat you guys. You caught me. You're mad at me now and write bad things about me on the Internet. That's it. I'm quitting. So thanks thanks a lot, guys. You screwed it up for everyone. If you only let me cheat and get away with it. There would be a Partouche Poker Tour next year. <laughs> I'd like to thank all the people who come from America so I can cheat them. I want to thank everyone that comes for the guarantee that I don't really have. I want to especially thank everyone who does not say anything when I cheat them and thinks it is okay. Those are the people I thank. If you get mad at me for cheating you, I, I don't thank you.
0: It's not the case anymore for some of you. You're taking stuff to these people. By the way, I thank you all. I wish you to be successful. And then, ladies the
1: man, Shuffle and be. Hey, listen to this. People are going to clap after this. That's the unbelievable thing. Listen to this.
0: What about the 5 million?
1: Okay, so, so first of all, who's clapping? Who claps after this? I want to know who's clapping. Who, who clapped for this guy? I hope the only people clapping after this Were people working for him? Or friends of his? Who would clap for that speech? He's basically saying, Yeah, we cheated you, tough luck. Now I'm I'm closing down the poker tour next year. And people clapped. (laughs) It's like a shuffle up and deal speech from hell. And they're clapping. But at least someone in the background, I'm not sure who it is, I think it's the guy with the camera here who is uh, taking a video of this for YouTube, Uh, he asked, What about the 5 million? And so he chased this guy down. Uh, This is Patrick Partouche who was speaking. Uh, he chased this guy down, Patrick Partouche, and uh, questioned him about the 5000000 million, wouldn't let him get away with it, and that's when the crowd really started getting pissed. What
0: about the $5 million? What are you going to do about the $5 million? I don't know wasn't guaranteed. a guarantee. You said you didn't know if it was or wasn't, so was it? He
1: responded saying the 5000000 million wasn't guaranteed, but then he said, you said at the beginning of your speech you didn't know if it was or wasn't, so was it? So here's his answer. I
0: said, I said five million wellness guarantee. Well, I, I thought I it know, was. There's you know proof what? everywhere that it you was. Know I, I know to write. If you don't know to read, it's your fault. I can read know. and write. <laughs> so
1: he's saying that people who saw the five million guarantee plainly on their own website, that there was still proof of sitting on the web that they can't read. He knows how to read and write. You don't. Hmm.
0: All right. Everybody read it. Everybody knows. By the way, the Partouche Poker Tour is over. Yeah. So that's why yeah, you're no, canceled. No. That you anyway. Is that why you're canceled? So you'll be welcome next no. year anyway. No, 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 no. We we enjoyed your poker tour. Yeah. We just wish you honored the guarantee. Eh, uh, whatever. There'll be a villain here. Bye. Hey, try to you. And to make it.
1: So I, I think that's it. Uh, they're showing some girl at the table. I, I can't even tell who it is talking about it. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So what it really looked like from that speech? I mean, that was a very arrogant, nasty speech, and just saying tough luck. Um, you're not getting your guaranteed money. I mean, that, that's basically what he's saying. And not only you're not getting it because you're pissed at me for cheating you. Uh, this tour is being canceled from next year forward. So I don't give a crap what you're thinking of me because I'm done with this anyway. So I don't care about your repeat business. Well, uh, surprisingly, I don't know how, but um, he actually saw the light. I wouldn't say the moral light because you can tell this guy is not moral at all. But um, they actually had a change of heart probably because of all the public pressure. Uh, And they announced that they would have The full 5 million prize pool. And there was actually a 730,000 euro overlay, I guess it was more than 700,000, 730,000 euro overlay. And uh, that bumped up all the prizes, because this happened in the middle of the tournament. But, of course, you can't give them any kind of props for this. You can't tell them that they did the right thing. You can't say, all right, you know, the Partouche guy is not so bad after all. Of course, he's terrible. He tried every way possible to not give the money guaranteed. And you can't ever congratulate anyone for paying back money that they stole. That's why you can't let the UB people, the AP people, off the hook. Just because they paid money back. Well, first of all, they didn't pay the money back at AP and UB. But putting that aside, uh, you can never just say, alright, oh, someone's fine, if they tried to steal from me, I caught them, and then they paid back what they stole. That's that's not, that's called a free roll. Anyway, um, that uh, they, they issued a letter, and uh, Partouche said in the letter, still, that there was no guarantee, so they didn't even admit fault, they just uh, said they're doing it anyway, and that external media has been spreading confusion and erroneous information. This has led players to mistakenly believe in the existence of a prize pool. No. The external media is what made the prize pool be what it was supposed to be. It was the pressure from external media which uh, forced them to do it. And they didn't spread confusion and erroneous information. That's what the Partouche Poker Tour tried to do. And the external media spread the truth. So good for them. For once, the media in poker did the right thing. You know, the the media in poker usually plays softball with scandals because they don't want to lose advertisers. But at least they attacked this one pretty hard. They did a good job and they forced the right thing to happen. He also said there may have been a misunderstanding caused to how the event was promoted in the media, though from their own website, and has requested that the Partouche group bear the consequences. <laughs> Um, now the marketing director, J.J. Ichai or ichai I don't know how you say his name, he actually said at one point, um, that we're in the fifth year of the Pardews Poker Tour with 5 million euro guaranteed, we guarantee the 5 million, and what's more, each year the winner is guaranteed 1 million, which he wasn't going to get had they not added the money. Um, and following the publication of that video, the marketing director actually offered his regu- uh, resignation, because he had denied he ever said that prior to that. Uh, but then Patrick Partouche said, no, I'm not taking your resignation. You, you're you're going to stay working from me. So they're still not coming back. The Partouche Poker Tour is still not coming back next year. And the only good thing that uh, came out of this was that nobody ended up getting cheated. Just people were very stressed, and they were almost cheated. And uh, thank goodness that's gone. I, I'm glad it's not coming back because uh, that guy does not deserve to have a poker tournament. Nobody should come play after that. Anyway, uh, that's that story. Glad it had a happy ending. But uh, still pretty damn bad. Moving on to the next topic, if anyone wants to talk about this or any other topics that uh, I've been talking about here 775 Fraud 55. Seven seven five area code three seven two eight three five five. We will be having Brandon Drexel Gerson on a little bit later, and uh, vowels, also known as Angel, will not be here tonight because of the change in date. But she will be back next week on the 18th when we have our show on its regularly scheduled Tuesday at 7 p.m. time slot. This one is broadcasting at uh, starting Monday. Night, 7.40 p.m., September 10th is the date of this broadcast. Let me talk about uh, the World Series of Poker, maybe changing hands. Pretty big story. Now, this has not happened yet, but it might. Caesars, which is the now the parent company of Harrah's. I always talk about Harrah's, but it's really Caesars. Caesars is struggling. They uh, Their stock fell 10.7%. In the week, uh, the last week of August, and then slid another nine percent the next week, this this week that just passed. In the second quarter of 2012, the quarter, of course, that ends July or June 30th, Caesars lost 241.7 million dollars. They blamed anemic spending by guests and intense competition in Las Vegas and Atlantic City. Well, that's unbelievable because I don't think it's that hard to make money in a casino. Casinos have a lot of different revenue streams. Now, they do have a lot of overhead, but they have a lot of revenue streams that most hotels don't have. Think about it. They make a lot of money from gambling. I mean, a lot of money. uh, Even though they like their marketing to show people winning. When you watch TV and see Caesars ads, you see people playing and winning a lot of money and having a lot of fun. The reality is most gamblers lose. And they lose consistently. You'll win every so often, but the odds are so much in their favor. So, Caesars, they have a a big revenue stream just from the gambling alone. I don't care if it went down from a few years ago. They still make a lot of money from gaming. But that's not their only revenue stream. They, They have a hotel. They have a lot of restaurants, some of which are expensive. They have expensive shops and the forum shops that have a huge profit margin. They have so many different ways to make money. They have shows, I mean they have so many ways to make money in Las Vegas, even with them giving away comps to the you know, to players who play a lot. They're giving away those comps because for the most part these players lose. So I always felt that casinos, unless they overextend themselves, unless they overspend or waste money in stupid areas, they should be making bank. They should be making a fortune. A lot of times these losses come from building properties where they shouldn't be, or getting involved in other businesses that aren't proven yet. I don't know where these losses came from, the $241 million they lost in the second quarter of 2012. But I just never understood how casinos lose money. I understand how like a little side-of-the-road casino in the middle of nowhere that maybe has one $3 blackjack game running and one $1, $2 no-limit game running at poker and a bunch of slot machines that, a few old ladies pull for five cents a spin. I understand how those casinos don't make money. But big casinos like Caesars, they should make money. Anyway, they didn't. They lost. And they're continuing to lose money. So they need to shade... They need to shed. Um, they need to shed parts of themselves. So they think. So maybe they can... Uh, stem the losses by selling off parts of what they own. Interestingly enough, one of the elements that they might sell is the World Series of Poker. That has been rumored to be one of the things that they may get rid of. Which is very profitable, by the way. They make a lot of money from the World Series in a number of ways. Uh, They make it from the events themselves. They take a lot out of each prize pool. Even with the poker boom dying even with the economy slipping, they keep getting very good numbers at the World Series. A lot of people. Not just at the main event, but at all events. And those players that come in, they spend money in the restaurants, they spend money in the gift shops, they spend money at the hotels, they spend money gambling in other areas that are not poker against the house and lose. A lot of poker players who can't come to the Rio to play the World Series go gamble in the Rio and in other Caesar's properties and lose a lot of the money back even the ones that win at the World Series the World Series is very profitable and they they pretty much acquired it for nothing anyway uh, in order to restructure their debt they may spin off assets like the World Series of Poker and um, I don't know how much they would want to sell it for they got it for very little in fact the way they got it was by buying Binion's I think for like fifty million. So they got the Binions Horseshoe and the World Series for fifty million, which is a bargain. And I'm sure the World Series itself, without any property, will sell for way more than fifty million. In fact, if it won't, I'll buy it for fifty million. So, um it's estimated right now that Caesars is going to burn through four hundred fifty to six hundred million in the next two years, in cash flow losses and spending, so that's why they may need to sell something like the World Series. Now, how do I feel like? How do I feel about that? Am I happy to see the World Series falling out of the hands of Caesars? And how do I feel it'll be affected? Am I happy? I, mean, I, I always complain about the way the things run. So you think I'd be happy? Well, this is what I think will happen if it does sell. First of all, this is far from a done deal. There's not even a buyer yet. It's not even for sale yet. It just might be for sale in the future. But if it's sold, I can tell you that the first year of whoever owns it next will probably have a lot of failure. Growing pains, getting used to it, whatever you want to call it. Whenever another company takes over an existing business, there's always problems. There's always things that they're not used to dealing with, not used to being able to overcome. Things they did not expect that come up, that they don't know how to handle. So whoever buys the World Series, even if they keep all the same people in place, there's going to be problems. All kinds of logistical problems you're going to see. But, I think overall it will be a good thing provided that it's bought by number one, a reputable company and number two, a company that's not even worse operationally than Caesars. Because, yes, you can actually get worse than Caesars operationally. It's hard to believe, but you can. Caesars does have a lot of operational problems. They've always had operational problems. That's, that's almost a trademark. And the World Series is no different. They have loads of operational problems that just should not be happening in the World Series of Poker. I mean, the fact that the World Series of Poker, in its eighth year at the Rio... Still does not know how to redirect people when they change the table assignments and people are wandering around not knowing where to go. That should not be happening on the eighth year. They should not allow people to enter the same tournament twice when it's not a rebuy in the same in the eighth year. So many things should not be happening. But it could be worse. I mean, look what happened to Partouche. Caesars wouldn't pull that. If Caesars had a guarantee, they would not claim that they didn't have a guarantee. And if they did, and you show them their website with a guarantee on it, they would not say, oh no, we didn't have a guarantee, or maybe we did, maybe we didn't, whatever. They, they wouldn't say that at Caesars. They, w- they would honor their guarantee. So you never know. Don't wish for someone else to buy Caesars until you know who it is, because it could get worse. So... It's a wait-and-see sort of thing. I can't say Caesars is the absolute worst company to own the World Series, because they're not. It can get much worse. I wouldn't say they've done a good job, by any means, but it could be much, much, much worse. So, got to wait to see who would be interested in them. Also, when I say it has to be a stable company, it has to be a company that really has the money to market it and to run it properly. Because if they can't market it, and then you, you start having a, a steep drop in the number of entrants, because you know who comes to play the World Series for marketing? It's not people like me. not people like other pro players. The people who come every year, regardless of the marketing, are the good players. The ones that you want to show up at the tournament are the bad players. The, the, the everyday, average Joe, working guy who enjoys poker. That's who you want to have sitting at your table in the World Series. You don't want the pro players that are going to show up year in, year out. Or it's going to be a tough table. So you need a company that's good at marketing. Caesars is great at marketing. You need another company that's at least good at marketing, or you're going to have too high of a ratio of pros to amateurs, and it's going to get much harder. So be careful what you wish for with a Caesars shedding of the World Series. I'll put it kind of this way. You know when you have a teacher in school? I shouldn't say have, but when you had a teacher in school, He didn't like very much. He wasn't like the worst teacher, but he just didn't care for the guy very much. And then something happens in the middle of the year and he's got to leave. Maybe he uh, molested one of the girls in the class. (laughs) Whatever. But uh, he has to leave. And he gets replaced. When the teacher gets replaced, at first you have the feeling like, hey, this is great. I didn't like this guy. I can't wait to see the new teacher. I'm excited. But you don't know the new teacher could be even worse. It could be a guy you hate more. So you can never be happy that someone or something leaves until you see what replaces it. I'm just saying, there's a lot of bad things that could happen at the World Series that have not happened yet, because at least Caesars is a stable company. At least they market well. So, remains to be seen. Nothing more I can say about this until we see if that sale actually occurs. Once again, if anybody wants to call in, the phone number is 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID if you want to call in, or if you have questions in the chat room, I'm trying to look at that as I'm talking. Let me tell you an email I got from someone who has been playing on the South Point poker site, you know, the one that's going to go live pretty soon for real money. I don't know if this is the exact software they're going to use or if this is some sort of test software. I'm not sure what the story is there, but this person is not very impressed with the software they're seeing. I got this as an unsolicited email from someone who either listens to the radio show or reads the forum or both. This is what they wrote me. Several times I have contacted the South Point Poker site about problems with their site and software. Each time they sent an email, how I should quote correct my software. What does that mean? Correct your software? It's their software. It's like it's like if you take in your car, you you bring in your Ford back to the dealer. It's not working right, and they say correct your car. You're like, what? That that's your job. Anyway, um, then this person wrote, there is slash was nothing wrong with my software, referring to their operating system, presumably. Everything else works just fine, except for South Point. I did make a few changes, but nothing works. I can't even access their help link. Their screen can't be adjusted, and the print is too small and can't be changed. So they're saying that the font is very small. Uh, presumably like, like uh, how many chips each person has, whatever. Their site needs a lot of work before it even goes live. Now, I don't know this person. I don't know how credible they are. This could be someone who isn't uh, very computer literate, but it doesn't matter. I haven't seen it, but I believe the report. I think if they had like PokerStars quality software, I wouldn't be getting a letter like this. My prediction, without even seeing the SouthPoint software, without even seeing it once, my prediction was that it's going to be terrible when it comes online. It's going to have bugs. It's going to be very user unfriendly. It's going to be missing all kinds of important features. It's going to be awful. You're going to wish you have like 2001 Planet Poker software back when you play that thing. That is my guess of what's going to happen with uh, the South Point software when that goes live in October, maybe. I hope that they're smart enough to test it with people who know what to look for. To test it with people who have played online poker for years that can tell them what's wrong. It's so funny because I, I see when like the Merge Network rolls out a new software update where they make major changes or Bodog, every time they screw a million things up, and every time you have all the players going on to 2plus2 giving them big lists of all the things that are messed up. And I think to myself, why don't they do this before they roll out these updates? Why don't they get like 20 or so of their best players to play test the new software, pay them a little bit of money, take their feedback, and release a good product? Instead, they just release an awful product where nobody tests it who actually plays on it and then wonder why it doesn't work right. So I have a feeling the same thing is going to happen with South Point. They probably have people testing it who are not the ones that should be testing it. They they don't know how to beta test anything. That's my guess here. And that's why this person who wrote to me, who tells me that uh, it's not working, and that when they email them about it, that they get back a message, Correct your software. What does that even mean, correct your software? Are they saying your operating system doesn't work? What do you mean, correct your software? That doesn't even make sense. So that's not a good sign. I'm, I'm actually glad. I, I'm not a lover of the stratosphere, but I'm glad there's going to be some competition in the Nevada market fairly soon, because I think the South Point's going to screw this up. I just don't think that they have what it takes. But I, I hope they. I hope I'm hope i wrong. I hope they do. I'm not speaking from any knowledge on this. I'm speaking from just my guess, given the way I've seen other online poker companies handle new software. I've really only seen two forms of poker software that I respected. That I thought were... Actually, I should say three. There was poker Stars, of course, I thought was the best. Full Tilt, which was the second best. And then UBs was pretty good. At least didn't have bugs. Wasn't as good as the other ones, but at least it didn't have bugs. But of, co- of course, those were the biggest companies. But all the smaller companies, the software ranged from bad to terrible... And what was even worse was their process. It wasn't just they didn't have good programmers. They didn't have a good process on fixing bugs, identifying bugs, and not allowing terrible software with these bugs to be released in the first place. So I'm sure that Southpoint did not hire the right people. I can't say I'm sure, but I think it's highly likely. Especially from this report. I asked this person if they wanted to be on radio. They they sent me this message today, so uh, they haven't responded to me. They may not want to be. Some people just like to send these anonymous messages. Like, for some reason, this person wanted me to know this. But uh, a lot of times people are shy to get on radio for whatever reason. But uh, thanks to that person for the report. And anybody who wants to send me a report on things like that, go ahead and do it. You can do it anonymously, whatever. Uh, my email address is dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Anyway, moving on. Daniel Negranu. He is slamming Mason Malmuth again. Now, Daniel Negranu actually got banned from 2 Plus 2 at one point. They said he was spamming. 2 Plus 2 has a paranoia about spamming. I mean, nobody likes spam. Nobody who reads forums likes spam. I mean, nobody wants to go read their favorite forum and see ads for Viagra or online casinos or other crap there that's cluttering up the screen. But there's a fine line between spam and informative content. When Daniel Negreanu releases a video blog, a lot of people want to see it because Daniel Negreanu is a very, very big name in poker. And he's very well-liked. So, when Daniel Negreanu releases a blog and talks about a bunch of things, and then in the middle of the blog plugs some product or service that uh, he's currently involved with, that's not spam. Because it's Daniel Negreanu, because people want to hear what he has to say. Now, if he re- released a video just of an advertisement, I could see calling that spam. But not if he mentions something as part of a blog that has other informative content that, uh, you know, he has thing he wants to plug. Let him plug it. I mean, this makes 2plus2 more readable if Daniel Negranu is interacting with people there. People love participating in forums where a big name in poker is interacting with them. And when a big name in poker does spend his time on a forum and interact with the regular Joes of the forum, you should be happy as a, as a forum owner. You shouldn't be mad. You shouldn't be looking for reasons to ban him or accuse him of spamming. The only way you accuse him of spamming is if all he ever does is promote, and you don't get anything back from him other than free ads. Then sure, ban him for spamming, but Daniel Negranu's not a spammery. Anyway, that, that was kind of an old story. That happened last year, maybe early this year, something like that. But Negranu already didn't like Mason Malmuth for that. But a new spam paranoia thing happened at 2plus2 that involved the 22Q Foundation And they asked Mason, the, uh, you know, VegasPokerRadio.com, which is our sister site. And uh, they asked, can we mention our podcast and the 22Q Foundation and our charity? Can we mention this on 2 Plus 2 so we can get some more listeners and maybe more people donating to our charity? He didn't ask Mason for free advertising. He did not ask Mason for endorsement of the charity. He just said, can I post about this as a regular user? And when I say he, I I believe it was Jason who did it. Anyway, Mason Malmuth said, no. You cannot promote the 22Q Foundation charity podcast on our site in any way. You can't even mention it. If you bring it up, we're deleting it. In fact, they did delete it. They they deleted a post uh, at this guy Professional Poker on 2plus2, like uh, one of the top mods there. He deleted that post. They were not allowed to mention that podcast we had last week for 50 hours. Mason Malmuth said it's 2 plus policy that we do not support any charities. And then he went on to brag about the fact that he and his wife have had a charity and that they don't even support that. So Daniel Legrano got very angry about this. Daniel DeGranu thought that this was pretty bad. And he actually got involved. And this is what he wrote. I don't post on 2plus2 anymore. I guess he uh, gave up on 2plus2 because of that whole spamming thing where he was uh, banned a while back. But I saw this article, and then he posted a link to the article about what happened with the 22Q Foundation, how they couldn't post on uh, 2plus2. Have a heart, it's for charity. Stop being such nits. I get along fine with da- with David Skolansky, and I feel like he really isn't too involved with this crap, but Mason Malmuth and that kook moderator referring to professional poker, that's the guy's name, are greasy, slimy, nerdy nutcases and make me sick. Wow. They're greasy, slimy, nerdy nutcases and they make him sick referring to Mason Malmuth and Moderator Professional Poker. So, that generated a lot of controversy on 2 Plus 2. And Mason never backed down, by the way. They were never allowed to advertise it. But, uh, Negrano really does not like them very much. But, you know, I can tell you from reading 2 Plus 2 myself, Mason Malmuth really is a control freak, of the highest order. To the point where it's just ludicrous. And this professional poker guy, his, like, top moderator, is the biggest Mason ass-kisser that no matter what Mason does, no matter how ridiculous it is, professional poker defends it. So he's, like, head ass-kisser there. And head moderator. And Mason Malmuth is the, you know, calls himself actually the top dog over there. And... Super controlling, super paranoid about spam. It's really too bad that 2 Plus 2 is the largest forum just because they were in the right place at the right time. Some of you might wonder, how did 2 Plus 2 become so big? It's definitely not the software, the look and feel of the site. It's kind of a mess over there. They're actually running an old V-Bulletin that, as you know, got hacked a while back. It's definitely not because Mason Malmuth has such a great personality and attracts people. It's not even because of that pervert uh, David Skolansky. So why is 2 plus 2 so popular? Because it was there in the early days when rec gambling poker where the poker discussion used to take place which was a news group when that got inundated by spam they wanted to move to a message board that was moderated and there was 2 plus 2. That was really the only message board to go to at the time for poker. It was way before the poker boom. So they were the only game in town They got really big. And then everyone who wants to learn something about what's going on in the poker community, that's where you go. And it's too bad. I mean, as much as I don't like Mason, I read 2 plus 2 because I want to stay informed. I want to know what's going on. So it's really too bad that it succeeds in spite of Mason Malmuth. Not because of him, but in spite of him. And it's very hard to unseat something like that without a lot of money. Unless you want to put a lot of marketing behind it. It's very hard to take over as the new big forum when everyone's established on another big forum. Poker Road tried this, and they were unsuccessful after wasting a lot of uh, Barry Greenstein's money. So, uh, good for Daniel Negreanu. I know it wasn't uh, all out of the goodness of his heart. It's also because he hates Mason. Wanted to get in a jab at him. Much like Daniel Negreanu likes to speak out against Howard Letterer and Annie Duke. But again, because they were assholes to him early on in his poker career, before he was a big name. So he loves to trash them, because he's never liked them. It's always easy to trash people you hate. But that doesn't make you wrong. And obviously the people trashing you are more likely to be ones that have always hated you. And that's definitely the case with Danny Legranu. He trashes uh, the entities in poker that he's always found unpleasant or have done something to him. But whatever. I'm glad he does it. I'm glad we have someone like him speaking out, because I'll say one thing about Daniel Granu. Even though he will sometimes give people a pass, who deserve trashing, like Eric Lindgren, like Phil Ivey, like Phil Helmuth sometimes, even though he'll give them a pass, um, whenever he trashes someone, he's usually right. He also might hate them, but he's usually right. So, I was very happy to have him speaking out about UB, I was very happy to have him speaking about Annie Duke, Howard Lederer, Chris Ferguson. Whatever. Now he's speaking out about Mason. Someone in our chat room, FTP Jesus, said, Mason has ridden Skolansky's poker credibility to to pretend he's something he's not. Exactly. A lot of people wrongly believe that Mason's a good poker player. I've only played with him a little bit And I haven't seen much as far as his play I'm not saying he's a donkey He's not terrible, he's not a fish But um, he's one of the co-authors On a lot of Skolansky's books You would think that uh, That must mean he's on par with David Skolansky's poker skill He's not He's never been So He, he pretty much has been doing The business side of things As far as the uh, the books on two plus two publishing. He's the he's the business contact. But there's nothing wrong with being the business contact the business guy and Skolansky's like the uh the talent. But uh, Mason kind of pretends that he's not just the business guy. He likes to pretend that he's a great player when in reality as, as Bootsy College just said in chat, he just knits it up at the twenty forty of Bellagio. And that's all he does. He's like an old knit. Not a terrible player or anything, just, just an old knit. He always looks pissed off. If you go to Bellagio and you see Mason playing, there will be three things that are for sure. Number one, he'll have a bunch of pills with him that he'll keep taking. He has like this big bag of vitamins. I mean, so many, it looks like he's a drug addict. I don't think he's a drug addict. I think these are just vitamins. But uh, it's this old guy with like this giant bag of vitamins. <laughs> You'll see him take them out every so often and, and uh, you know order some water and, and take the vitamins. Number two, he's wearing a 2 plus 2 shirt. And the 2 plus 2 shirt is so stupid because the 2 plus 2 logo is so tiny that you'd have to like go right up to him to see it. So it's not even getting advertisement for 2 plus 2 while he's wearing it. It's like a tiny 2 plus 2 logo that you wouldn't recognize unless you already knew the 2 plus 2 logo. And number three, he always looks pissed off. Doesn't matter if he's winning, doesn't matter if he's losing. He sits there, he talks to no one, and he like, looks pissed off. I don't even know why he plays. It looks like he's miserable there. Like, if you hate playing poker that much, and if you have money, which he does, then don't play! There's no reason to play if you uh, if you hate poker, if you hate being there, if you're angry, you already have the money, don't play! But those three things, every single time, you can count on them for Mason Malmuth. And I guess number four is that he's a nit. Anyway wanted to mention that, and again, uh, congratulations to the three hosts of uh, the Iron Man podcast, the 50-hour podcast that was broadcast from this site and VegasPokerRadio.com last week, Brandon Drexel Gerson, Jsep, also known as Johnny Sepp, and Kevin Wright, all doing a great job on the 50-hour podcast and raising a lot of money. Moving on to the next subject, if anybody wants to call 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355, show your caller ID with star 82, the show brought to you by BracketGeek.com. Moving along here, let's talk about the AP and UB players. Could they get paid? The ones that had money on the site when Black Friday hit, and it turned out that they were pulling the same crap that Full Tilt was pulling spending all the money on deposit, and they really had no money to pay out any of the players. So they've been down for a long time. Here is a post from Eleven Grover. Scott Bell, who is in the process of making a very detailed documentary about the UB scandal. I will be part of that documentary. I actually went in the summer over to a rented house of his and... ...recorded some segments where I talk about what I knew about the scandal. And in fact, I'm in the preview that he's been distributing. Didn't get paid for it. I have no financial interest whatsoever in the whole thing, but uh, participated because I thought it was the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, this is what he had to say about it. He said, Department of Justice, DOJ, wants to use a settlement with Joe Norton and Stuart Gordon, the Shell Company owners, referring to the owners of the Shell Company that owned UB... To take position of serious assets and serious, you know, is the company that uh, that was like the new brand of UB for purpose of sale. Avion, a, a, a um, subsidiary of Madeira, is contesting the action. Now, they, Avion is a company that's actually uh, uh, shareholders who are owed money from. Uh, um, from this whole thing, uh, this whole mess at UB. I won't bother to explain it again. But anyway, uh, he's what's basically happening here is that the Avion shareholders are trying to get the money first before the players. They say they were cheated by UB and that they are owed money and that they should be paid first and then the players should be paid by whatever money is left over. Now, what money am I talking about? I'm talking about whatever money is made from the sale Of UB's assets that have, uh, yeah, that are going to be sold in the same way through the government, just like uh, full tilts were. I don't know who would buy them, but whatever. Um, so they're trying to resolve whether, you know, who's going to be the first to get the money. And uh, they assert that the Avion. The rebuttal says that they assert the software is the key asset, and they don't mention the customer list. They think the software is the key asset of the company, and they could generate big revenues by operating the software going forward, and uh, they're claiming that they really own it and that uh, they, basically, they want to be paid first and uh, they're trying to say that they want to be able to not only be paid first but that they want to run the company again and get back and work to running a poker room and then rake money again pay back the players so that's what they want to do and this is actually for Scott Tom and Oscar Hill Tatum the the owners of uh, AP and uh, of the new Sirius or I shouldn't say the new series of, of Sirius before Black Friday so basically they, instead of paying the players with the, with a the sale, they actually want to get back online and, and run it again, not take US players but uh, run it that way and try to make money off the rake and pay people back, which is a joke there's no way that anything should happen through the DOJ that allows Scott Tom and Oscar Hill Tatum to run AP again I mean, can you believe it? Scott Tom directly cheated me this, this guy played me heads up seeing my whole cards, and he wants to—he actually wants to make a deal with the DOJ to retain ownership, run the poker room again, and pay people back that way. The Department of Justice right now feels that the best chance to salvage any value from these assets is just uh, to sell it, and then pay out the players on a percentage basis. Um, there's also a rumor that there's money owed to the site by uh, payment processors. I don't know if they can collect, but uh, that could also increase the assets of AP and UB if they could somehow recover that money and use that to pay back players. I don't think that's likely, though. I think these payment processors that owe them are gone. And they're never going to pay. I think the only money they're going to get from selling AP and UB is from the software and maybe from the customer lists. And maybe people get like 10 cents on the dollar but you're not going to get much. I really hope they do not allow Scott Tom and Oscar Hill Tatum to um, to run this again. They should never be allowed to be part of this industry ever again. So, uh, the DOJ should do nothing that allows that to happen. So anyway, that's, that's the current state of the affairs with UB and with Avion, or Avion, or I don't know how to say it. A-V-O-I-N-E. Avone. I don't know, it's a strange pronunciation. But uh, they're trying to establish standing for themselves and contesting the DOJ to take possession of the assets and sell it. So I hope the DOJ succeeds. I hope people get their money back. But this isn't something that matters to me too much, because I have a feeling the majority of the money going back will be to the people I don't want to see getting it. The people that continue playing on UB after the scandal, who knew about the scandal, who just continue playing there because they were greedy, because the games were soft, they figured that the most of the good pros left, so why not stay there and beat the fish who don't know better, who don't know the fact that this is a cheating site? Those people don't deserve any money. Those people shouldn't have been there in the first place. Those people should have stood with us. Those people should have said, we're all standing firm with the poker community and we're not going to play. We're going to boycott UB. And they didn't. They, they kept playing because they were greedy. Well, okay, great. You got your money seized now. Not seized, but spent. Your money was spent. It's gone. I don't want to see you get it back from some sort of like sale. But if you are one of those people, or if you're one of those casual players that didn't know about a scandal then that's the story. Let me move on to the next topic. If you want to call in the phone number seven seven five Fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five or if you want to ask any questions in the chat room you can do that too. Um, But yeah, call in with a purpose. Some people are saying you know, yeah, I can call in, but what do you want me to say? Well, if you don't have anything to say, don't call in. I, I, I don't need a caller. I, I can go on and on myself if I want. So I don't need callers. I just, But I, I do like them. I do like when people call in and ask questions, but don't feel pressured to call or like you have to call just to be a caller on the show. You don't. Moving along, let's talk about Howard Letterer. He's got a New legal defense, which is kind of odd. Uh, Howard Lederer, you know, he's uh, he wants to get off the hook for everything that happened. Uh, now you have to understand, Howard Lederer got busted not for running a poker site. He got busted for violations of the UIGEA. He, he basically got busted for processing payments to and from Full Tilt Poker from U.S. citizens. When that was against the law to do so in 2006, he he didn't physically process the payments, but uh, he facilitated the processing uh, on the full tilt end. He was one of several doing that, so that's what he's accused of. He's not accused of running an online poker room. I mean, that's part of it, but that's not that's not what they're getting him on. That's not the law he's broken. Um, and, and in addition, in addition to doing this. Uh, he also stole the money. He and, and Ray Bittar and Chris Ferguson and Ray First, they, they stole the money that they received on deposit. So these are, these are the things that, that Howard Lederer did. And actually running a poker room itself is not really part of it. But this is what his lawyers wrote. Now if you guys remember, um, Judge Jack Weinstein ruled in a New York court case, a federal court case in uh, against a guy running an underground live poker room, not online but a live poker room in New York that um, since poker was a game of skill that it did not constitute illegal gambling and the illegal gambling charges were thrown out against that guy who was busted for running the underground poker room. So Howard Letterer's lawyers wrote in that they want Howard off the hook because of that ruling from Judge Weinstein that poker is a game of skill. This is what they wrote. We represent claimant and defendant Howard Letter in connection with the reference case. Mr. Letterer is a former two-time winner of the World Series of Poker and a former director of a company called Tiltware, effectively the former owner of the online poker website known as Full Tilt. As your honor is aware, the assets of Tiltware were recently forfeited to the government and then sold to poker stars, generating substantial assets earmarked for the repayment of customers of Full Tilt Poker. Okay, that's all true. I like how they say he's a bracelet winner. Like, why does that matter? <laughs> Russ Hamilton was a bracelet winner, too. The purpose of this letter is to bring your honor's attention to the recent opinion of the Honorable Jack Weinstein, Senior Judge of the United States District Court for the Eastern District of New York in the United States versus De DeChristina. For your honor's convenience, a copy of Judge Weinstein's August 21st 120-page memorandum and order is enclosed. In that opinion, Judge Weinstein holds, after extensive hearings and exhaustive reasoning, that poker does not constitute illegal gambling. The opinion has significant implications for this case, pending before your honor, and in light of it, we write respectfully to suggest that the court hold a status conference in the near future, so that parties may discuss, and the court may consider, how best to manage litigation in light of DeChristina. What are you talking about? Howard is accused of processing payments. That, that's what he's accused of is illegally processing payments not about running an online poker room not about running an illegal gambling operation the UIGEA made it illegal to process payments for poker and for other forms of gambling so I, I don't know why they're talking about this whole thing with a the, with the live poker room that was busted that has nothing to do with this it's apples and oranges the guy who was, dis, who was uh, ruled not guilty his case thrown out about the illegal gambling about the live poker room he was running that was a totally different type of case than what's up against Howard Letterer. they're just trying to stretch it they're trying to say if poker isn't illegal gambling and if you processed if, if Howard processed illegal payments for illegal gambling but it's not really illegal gambling well then he really didn't process gambling payments because poker isn't gambling that's never going to work it's possible they're going to let Howard off the hook because of um, the fact that that's part of the agreement or kind of a wink-wink-nudge-nudge nudge part of the agreement with selling Full Tilt that uh, that they don't technically announce that as part of cooperating that they're not going to go after the f- principles of Full Tilt, which I hope isn't true. But it's possible they'll let Howard Lederer off the hook once everybody gets paid by poker stars. It's possible to let him off of the fine, whatever. Um, not, not go after all his assets. You know, I, it's possible to make some deal with him. or Already have, but um, this is pretty ridiculous. Just a stab in the dark with the lawyers. Here's what they're trying to say: the core of the government's allegations in this case is that online real money poker violates IGBA. IGBA is the uh, um, that, that's the statute that uh, the other guy was accused of violating the guy who ran that live poker room that is the allegation in the first cause of action if this court agrees with Judge Weinstein or if the second circuit affirms him into Christina, that's that case we're talking about then much of the government's case here and many of the seizures which have already been authorized will no longer have a legal basis that's not true yes they do you are not allowed to make poker payments or poker deposits or poker withdrawals the, these were illegal So yeah, the seizures were valid. We may not agree with them, we may not like them, but they were valid. They were legally valid to do. Going on here. At present, numerous motions to dismiss the government's first amended complaint have been filed, and the government has the option of filing an amended complaint on or before September 10th, which is today. How the government approaches uh, a potential amended complaint, or how the government, uh, how the defendants approach moving for its dismissal, are both matters which can be more effectively handled if the parties have an opportunity to make the court aware of their plans and views in light of De Christina. For example, the court may wish to stay this case pending the resolution of any appeal in DeChristina. Alternatively, the court may wish to refer parties to the magistrate judge to explore settlement in light of De Christina, Or perhaps the court may wish to consider on their own the issue of whether poker constitutes illegal gambling under IGBA. But the potential significance of Dick Christina opinion for this case cannot sensibly be overlooked. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. It's a totally different case. Howard is not accused of running illegal poker room. He was, but that's not, that's not what this is about. It's about the payment process. So, that's the attempt. By the way, it says at the end we have been informed by counsel for defendants/slash claimants Christopher Ferguson and Raphael First that they will join in this letter and request for a status conference. So that other than uh, Ray Bittar, the the other two defendants, the other two uh, major owners on the board of Full Tilt, you know, besides Bittar and Letterer, Chris Ferguson and Ray First, they're going to join in and say, "Hey, yeah, we want you to review this." Geez, wouldn't it be sick if that. Stupid ruling about the uh, poker isn't a gambling game for that guy running the underground poker room. If that gets these guys off, if that gets the full-tilt owners off the hook for what they did completely, or substantially changes what ends up happening, that'd be awful. These guys are thieves. These guys are criminals. If you can nail them on... Illegal payment processing. Even if you can't nail them on running an illegal poker room. if you can't nail them on stealing everybody's money. At least nail them on what you can. They deserve it. These were not legitimate businessmen who happened to be breaking U.S. gambling laws. These are businessmen that were breaking U.S. gambling laws while stealing from U.S. players. Chris Ferguson, Ray Bittar, Howard Letterer, and probably Ray first, too. I'll belong in jail. That's just a fine. They belong in jail. They belong in jail along with all the other white collar criminals that steal millions and millions of dollars from the public. They shouldn't get off just because they're World Series bracelet winners or because Poker Star saved the day and bought the company. They should not get off. They're criminals. They stole. And. Some change in the interpretation of poker, whether it's skill or not skill, should not have anything to do with that, or anything to do with the uh, payment processes and charges against them. In the chat, uh, T.A. Miller 866, who I've never seen before, but welcome to our chat room and our show, said, uh, UIGEA has no seizure remedy, so the IGBEA... Forfeitures will need to be refilled as money laundering violation from wire wire fraud. Not sure what you mean by. Oh, refiled, not refilled. I read it wrong. That to be refiled as uh, money laundering violations from wire fraud. I'm still not sure what you're saying. Because there were no IGBA forfeitures uh, involved in the case with full tilt. They were UIGEA forfeitures. Anyway. 775 fraud 55 if you want to call in. 775-372-8355. Uh, someone just said in the chat, well, if they do get off, there's always old-school Vegas justice. No, there isn't. That doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I wouldn't cry if it did, but that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, look at Russ Hamilton. He's walking around playing poker out in public. Nobody's doing anything. The, the sad thing is that um, a lot of the victims of this are, like, you know, white-collar internet guys. They, they don't dump people in ditches in the desert. They don't break people's legs or beat people up. They're just guys that, uh, you know, had a math background, had a computer background, had a just a analytical minds that uh, learned they could make money at poker, much like me. Those type of people, they don't go, uh, you know, beat people up or dump them in ditches. That's why they get away with it. It's sad. It, it would be nicer if there were some more tough guy types in poker who didn't give a crap. If you know, they they, they would do what they felt was right to the big time cheaters, and and they wouldn't care if they're if they're going to get um, hurt in the process themselves or get arrested for uh, assault or for murder or whatever it actually wouldn't be that bad to have some of those people in poker if they were on the right side. I'm glad they're not in poker on the wrong side. <laughs> like, you know, I'm glad you don't have them coming after me for speaking about UB and for speaking about Full Tilt. But on the other side, uh, it, it does suck that guys like Howard Lederer can just walk around in Las Vegas. Russ Hamilton can walk around in Florida. and Nothing happens other than a few people talking trash to them. So um I'm getting a question in private fr- about the Ken Scaler game. We're not gonna have that because we're uh we're gonna restructure the game. The the game the way it was, uh wasn't popular. And I, I wanna listen to the users. I don't want to force ten episodes or something that generally is not liked. So the the Ken Scaler game was not that popular, we're gonna come up with some different game with that money. We still have eighty dollars left. So anyway. Um T.A. Miller claims there's no such thing as a UIGEA forfeiture, but there has to be some sort of um, remedy the government has to go after companies that uh, were processing these payments. Uh, I would think forfeiture would naturally be a part of that. I'm not a lawyer, and I I don't know all these things, but uh, it's hard for me to believe that under the terms of the UIGEA, they wouldn't have a right to forfeiture. But uh, that's uh, another debate for another time. I'll move on here. So, once again, 775 uh, fraud 55 is the phone number. 775-372-8355. Make sure to co- show your caller ID if you want to call in. And uh, let's see if Brandon's back. 906 right now, when we're broadcasting. No, I haven't heard from him yet. So, wh- whenever, whenever Brandon returns, we will uh, have him on. In the meantime, I'll just keep talking, whether people call in or not. I know a lot of people just like listening, and that's okay. I have no problem with that. Really, only call if you have something to say. And uh, You know, speaking of calls, let me uh, break up this poker talk with... A phone call of my own. I mean, I got to dig up this phone number, but uh, I want to call that girl who cheated Ken Scaler. A lot of phone numbers here. And let's see if I can find it. The story behind this. Hmm. You know, we may have to wait until next week on this one. I thought I had the number, but
0: uh, hmm.
1: thought I had the number, but I don't. So I'll have to get it from Ken again. So unless he calls, we will not be able to call her tonight. Uh, The story behind that was a girl who went with Ken. She met him at a fat club. There's actually clubs where there's like all fat girls there called like uh, More to Love Clubs or uh, you know, Plus Size Clubs. They have a lot of different names to them. But uh, Ken went to one just because the girls there tend to have much lower standards. And, and when I say it's a fat girl club, I don't mean girls who are like a little bit overweight. I mean like you have like a lot of 300 plus pounders there. So you have to really, really be into huge girls or just be desperate enough to be with one. But anyway, Ken Scaler was desperate enough to be with one, and that one went to dinner with him and then two guys showed up who claimed they just kind of saw her and knew her from the past in high school and drank so many different drinks there, claimed they had to go to the bathroom and ditched and left Ken with a $425 bill. Now, the girl stayed, and she claimed she knew nothing about this, and she felt bad. But Ken was the one who had to pay the $425, and only about 120 of it was his. So I wanted to call her and confront her and try to get her to give these guys identities up because she knew them from high school. And I was going to call them on this show and confront them of what they did and try to pressure them into paying Ken, who has no money. But when we tried to call her previously on the show, she was not there. And... when uh, Now I don't have a phone number anymore. have to do it next week unless Ken happens to call me this week which he still might (laughs) someone asked me in the chat what was the name of the club you went to where you paid to have a fat chick choke you (laughs) I've never had any girl choke me but um, I, I think if I were to go to a club like that I could probably find a fat girl to choke me for free I think I probably could I wouldn't want to but I probably could Anyway, um, let me move on to the next topic. The next topic on our show is, oh, it's about the stratosphere and the licensing to provide online poker to Nevada residents. I won't spend that long on this segment, but... Um, apparently the Stratosphere, the company that owns the Stratosphere, who actually owns uh, three casinos in Las Vegas, has been authorized to, uh, run online poker for Nevada. I shouldn't say residents, but people in Nevada. It's called intrastate online poker, meaning you have to be in Nevada to play it. That, uh, right now South Point is the only casino that was licensed to do this, and they're close to being online, but, uh, Stratosphere just was licensed to do this as well. So, they'll have competition there at the South Point. And that's good. I'm not a big fan of the Stratosphere. I think it's sleazy. I think it's a pretty awful casino. But uh, I'm happy to see someone else running one of these legalized online poker rooms. Because I have a feeling that South Point is going to screw it up badly. And that they're not going to be really motivated much to make it better unless you have some competition if they're the only legalized online poker in the country for a while I think they'll feel like hey we're going to get business no matter what so I'm glad there will be some competition I don't know when Stratosphere is going to go online but that's been announced and uh, I'm glad to see that And I, I hope we'll see more announcements like this that uh, more licenses are granted because competition is pretty much what makes these things happen Anyway, um, moving along, just wanted to mention that. You know, I'm going to try to call 408 Mike. Uh, We're almost done with the topics I have listed. Try to call 408 Mike, see if we can reach him. And that'll also break up uh, the monotony of all the poker talk here. I think 408 Mike has an interesting story. And even I don't understand it all, but we'll, we'll try to understand this and uh, see if we can reach him. I have no clue if he's around right now. He had offered to be on previous week. He sent me his phone number. He didn't tell me about this week, but, uh, you know, what the hell. Give him a call. It's not too late. It's only 9.15. If he's around, great. If he's not around, then No problem. Just got to find where I put his phone number, and uh, then we will give him a call. So, um, if you want to call in in the meantime, 775 Fraud 55, 775 372 8355. Make sure to show your caller ID. And, let me see, I, I can't find any phone numbers today. It's unbelievable. And here we go. I got, I got his number. Oh, I got his number. Oh, and I have the... You know what? I have the... can't see the girl's phone number. I'm going to call her, too. I found my treasure trove of phone numbers. Beautiful. Okay. We're going to call this girl first, then 408 Mike. Her name is Nene. That's not a fake name. That's actually her name. I don't know if it's a legal name, legal name but... Uh, <laughs> her name is Nene, and we're going to try to call her up. She didn't answer last time, but my fingers crossed that we can reach Nana and find out what she did to Ken Scaler. It's going to be it's going to be Alvin Finkelstein that calls. I think this is an Alvin call. So we have to call during the beginning of the show. I think if we call after nine, she's not answering. You have reached this You know, I'm gonna call back once more just in case she was just like not answering. I don't really care about being rude, because, uh... I think she's guilty in some way here. Hmm. Maybe she cheats a lot of people and then just doesn't answer her phone. Still trying to figure out if this is, like, a scam that she always does, or if it was just, like, that night, or if she had nothing to do with it. Okay. Nene gets off the hook for another week. If necessary, I'll call her during the day and record it. I'm not giving up on this, though. Let's try to call 408 Mike. And yes, uh, 408 Mike, he's no phony. He has a 408 phone number. He really is 408 Mike. So, let's see if Mike will answer. I don't want to leave her a message. I don't want her to be on guard. I want to, like... I want to hear her reaction to this whole thing without any preparation time. That's the best way to do these sorts of things. It's the best way to get the truth. Hmm. Running bad tonight with phone calls. Nobody calls in. The two calls out don't reach anybody. Hello? Oh, we got you. Okay. Uh, Is this 408 Mike?
2: Uh, yes, it is. Who's
1: this? This is Dan Druff. You're on Poker Fraud Alert Radio right now. Uh, you're on the Druff, Drexel, and Val show, but right now it's only me hosting. The other two uh, are not able to make it right at this moment. So uh, um, you said you'd be willing to do an interview with us here, and uh, I know I kind of just spontaneously called you, but uh, is this a okay time for you?
2: Um, Surprisingly, it is.
1: Oh, it's, good. Uh, Beautiful. I'm
2: just sitting around watching the Raiders stuck as usual.
1: Yeah. You know, I'll I'll tell you, Mike, I uh this this is a few years ago, but the Raiders just kept screwing up my teaser bits over and over and over again where every leg of the teaser would win and then the Razor, the Raiders would come up as the last game and they'd get crushed. And it, it would just tilt me so much I finally decided that no matter what the lines are, I'm leaving the Raiders out of my teasers. They just kept screwing me every time. <laughs> and uh so yeah, you can
2: pretty much always count on them to fail. They actually do that really well, uh really good.
1: Yeah, the, the the problem with the Raiders, especially that year, is a few years ago, was that any team that has a tendency to get blown out often, I think like Buffalo is an example this year. Uh, they're not they're not good for teasers because uh, teasers you want uh, you want the teams to play a game that's pretty close to what the line is, and you, you don't want them to deviate from that a lot. So once they deviate a lot, if you have a team that can either play okay or get blown out, and you, you never know which one's going to show up, that's not a good team for teasers, and that's that's pretty much been the Raiders a lot in the last few years. So, uh, anyway, uh, Mike, Mike, glad to have you on the phone here. And uh, you're actually the first uh, interview, first call of the night. And uh, I, I know you had volunteered to be on this program and uh, just to talk about yourself and your life because uh, you're one of the more controversial characters on these forums. And uh, you're one person... <laughs> you're one of the people who doesn't hide anything about yourself. You you just come right out there and tell everyone all your problems, tell everyone your issues. Uh, sometimes people say you do it too much, but you're definitely not shy about admitting uh, the various issues and problems you have, where a lot of people on the forum are very, very secretive to the point where you know nothing about them. You, you don't get to see their picture. You know nothing yeah, about their life. Yeah. You don't know if they're if they're married or single or even how old they are. You, you, you barely know anything about a lot of people on the forums, and including a lot of the biggest trolls, tend to hide behind anonymity, and, and they may have a lot of problems in their lives, and you just never know. Uh, Mike's the opposite, where, where he just... Dumps problem after problem on the forum, and and asks for the advice, and uh, you know this results in a lot of uh, a lot of uh, mixed reactions to him. So, uh, Mike, I, I guess I should start off by asking you, uh, what are you? Where are you right now? What, what where are you in life right now? Are you where, who are you living with right at the moment? Are you still living with with your mother?
2: No, um, I'm renting out a room from the neighbors that live across the street from me. Um, very nice couple, those in Canada, and uh, I, I would have to say that um, the, the lady, her name is Mary, she's she's like my second mom. I mean, she pretty much raised me when I was a kid, and uh, whenever my mom would be at uh, at college and my, uh, my stepdad would be drinking and working and all that, normally drinking, I would be uh, over here, you know, watching TV or swimming or doing whatever. Um, ironically, I was actually going to put together a video for, uh, for Scats, and uh, I was going to, just kind of catalog like a day, a day in my life, and show like where I'm where I'm staying and all that. I was gonna do it today, but I got sidetracked with some of the projects I'm working on. But um, not living with mom, um, I do have a room, a bed, and all that. I don't have uh, technically a, a very stable job. I mean, I make income either fixing computers, um, I do flyers, and I sometimes moonlight as a manager at a nutrition store. But uh, the the job I got picked up to uh, to do for them. That ended because the guy that I was replacing, who was caught stealing, is uh, blackmailing the owners. So they're looking at probably losing like, you know, 15, 20 grand uh, in court. And uh, from what I know, they're trying to screw that guy back really bad. It's going to cost them, again, more money. Hmm. So, So, similarly with all the. All the, all the chaos, they uh, they cut my hours back. So, yeah, they so I'm try so, trying to make ends meet, you know?
1: Yeah, so Mike, uh, yeah, so you're working uh, like a number of little kind of part time sort of jobs to, to make money here. Now, you said these neighbors, you, these were people you've known for a long time, all the way back to when your mom was in college?
2: No, I've known them since I was about five years old. Uh, yeah. They owned this house uh, when I moved in across the street from them in uh, 1985. So, they've literally known me my entire life.
1: Okay, so, and h- how long have you been there with them?
2: Hmm. About a month now, a month and a half, something like that. And is that going I well? I don't remember or, exactly, but. like,
1: is is that situation going well there? you you like everything's happy over there, living with them, or are there problems there already?
2: Um, it's it's definitely a good situation. Um, it's not super like perfect. Um, there's there's some some complications that are not anybody's fault. And they're not really within anyone's control, mm-hmm. and they just they just require that uh, you know they require a lot of patience and understanding and uh, compassion. So that's pretty much what I'm where I'm at. I mean, I don't I don't drink here, and I'm not partying. I don't come home late, and all those kinds of things. Um, and for the most part, you know, I carry my own weight. I mean, I pay rent, do uh, dishes, buy my own food, that kind of thing.
0: I see, And, I mean,
1: and what would you blame? Uh, you know, the, the problems you've had. Um, what would you say your biggest problems have been in life over the last uh, five, ten years? You know, overall. And what, what would you say the biggest culprits are as far as your problems and uh, and, and what are you doing to solve them and get over them?
2: Identifying problems has been something that I was really really bad at. And um, if I had to really point my finger at a couple of things, I would say, for one, I didn't realize that I was so far behind um, psychologically and uh, emotionally. I mean, I think in the last six or seven months, I probably progressed from, like, somebody that was a kid, literally almost, to, like, going up through like, you know, high, junior high and high school and college um, in terms of like maturity and uh, emotional progression because, I mean, I was isolated as a kid, and I didn't really spend a lot of time with people, and then all of a sudden I found myself 18 and thrown out in the street, and then I was spending I was spending for myself, you know, ever since.
0: Well, hang on. But I didn't really, really have
2: an opportunity to, to bond with people and to learn what it's like to make, you know, interpersonal uh, relationships, and for those reasons, I didn't realize how far back I was, you know, in terms of... Money making how important it is to have an education, how important it is to have marketable skills
1: now, let me, and let, me how much you, let me ask you let me ask you going back to what you were saying when you were a kid, you said you were isolated and then you were thrown out when you were eighteen uh, how, how were you isolated
2: It was a product of <clears throat> let me put oh, I'm trying to figure out yeah you, you have to you know keep in mind i haven't, i don't have any time to prepare here i mean i was just finishing. i was finishing dinner basically when i was a, when I was about you know seven or eight years old, I mean, I was an only child, first and foremost. When I was about seven or eight, my mom put me on Ritalin because she said I was, quote unquote, out of control. And uh, I was put on a huge dose, 200 milligrams a day, which is an astronomical amount of amphetamines. And I, uh, I I've, I've spent a couple of years where I literally, literally would only eat maybe maybe two or three times a week, if I remember correctly. And my mom would always get pissed because I was always putting dinner in my pocket, so I would never eat. And uh, the only friend I had was a guy who lived next door to me, and he was always off doing, playing sports and shit. So, I mean, I was pretty much, it was me and my Nintendo. Um, I actually still remember remember to this day my eighth birthday with my mom. I I, I unwrap a box, and we're over at uh, Happy Hollow Park. I I distinctly remember standing there, opening this box. My aunt and uncle are there and my grandma's there, and it's a freaking Nintendo. And I think it came out in May, so it came out the month before my birthday. And I was, like, the happiest kid on the planet. And I still remember that being the last time I was genuinely happy. Um, from then on, it was always playing video games and uh, and I guess being high as fuck on Ritalin. I mean, I was like seven or eight years old, I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, to, to tell you the truth, what I did as a kid was make a game out of beating games the day I got them without ever reading the instruction manual. So, aside from like RPGs like Dragon Warrior, I mean, you could give me just about any game, like um, Dragon's Quest and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I can't remember the names, like Master Blaster and all those. I literally would beat whatever game my mom bought for me, like, within 24 hours of her buying it, and I never once read an instruction manual. That's that's kind of like my personality.
0: Oh, okay. So I was
2: always very into, like, you know, computer games and just doing my own thing. And I tend to get very, you know, I'm very centered on whatever it is I'm doing. So Okay, if, if so Mike. Game or something, it's,
1: yeah, Mike. Um, good. So, so, um, so you were kind of isolated because of the, uh, the the high Ritalin dose. I got sidetracked.
2: Um, I was I was isolated also because my my stepdad was pretty abusive. Um, I didn't really make. I'm not really good at making friends. I'm not really good at communicating. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, you know, there's, there's a really there's a really bad side effect of taking Ritalin in that it makes you very antisocial and withdrawn. And, you know, I would tell my mom about that, and she kind of brushed it off and said, well, we're just going to do what the doctor says.
0: And by the time I
2: was, like, 13 or 14, I mean, I'd only made, like, three friends my entire life. And uh, it wasn't like I was forced into isolation. It's not that my, my parents uh, ever kept me back from doing anything. In fact, it was the opposite. I mean, I never I never had a curfew. I was never held inside. And by the time I was 14 or 15 and doing drugs, I mean, I was out. You know, my parents didn't give a shit where I was. I could just stay out all night and come home at 5 a.m. 5, 5 a.m. the next day, you know, Still messed up or whatever. My parents—they didn't really care.
1: Now, how old are you? So are, you are you like early thirties now, like thirty-two or something?
2: Yeah, thirty-two.
1: Okay, so so you're uh, about thirty-two, and uh, so so you developed a drug problem, you're saying, in your teens, and then uh, and then you were thrown out when you were eighteen. Is, is that accurate?
2: Um, kind of, sort of. I mean, it depends on what your your definition of a drug problem is. I mean, to my mom, she would say that my drug problem started when I was smoking pot in high school. I would say it was when she started forcing me to take Ritalin. I mean, she would actually hide it in my food in certain ways so that I wouldn't know that I was taking it um, because I rebelled against her and tried to, to stop taking it. Huh. And then there was this, this story of me eating pennies and my mom feeding me pennies. And what that what that comes from is she would put money in my food to see if I'd eaten it. So she would give me a lunch and she would put a dollar or a $10 bill or something in my sandwich. And I'd go to school and I'd throw it away, as I always do. Um, and, you know, I'd come back home and she'd say, oh, what are you planning on doing with that $10 I gave you? And I would be like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. So that's, uh, that's a, a funny story that's been kind of passed around for well, a long time. You know, Mike, that's
1: the truth so, something people have been wondering, and I've been wondering too about you, you've you've posted a lot of stories about your mom, about a lot of bad things she's done, and how uh, she really wasn't a good mother at all. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, have the situation where their parents were not very good, where they were abusive in some way, or they, they were neglectful, or both. And uh, it, it would be great if everybody could have good, caring parents and responsible parents, but it just it doesn't work out that way, and obviously it's not your fault who you're born to. But um, the question a lot of people have, and, and that I have, is now that you're an adult, and, and you've been an adult for a while, uh, why have you continued to be in your mom's life and, and live with her? I mean, it's one thing to see her every so often, but, but to live with her and be such a close part of her life when she did all this to you, why haven't you run as far away from, as possible from her um to get yourself healthy,
3: well,
2: it would be tough to say if it was a subconscious decision or if it was a um you know a a conscious one but i uh i, I left my mom three met at eighteen on my eighteenth birthday mind you and uh i was on the street i lived a, i lived out of a flop house a crack house for like nine months uh, i was stealing i was stealing parts from home depot and office and uh And orchard supply and returning them for like you know without a without a receipt they'll they'll give you cash for anything under twenty bucks so that's actually how I fed myself. Um, By the time I was like twenty eight years old, I mean I I had a period where for like a year I worked three jobs eighty hours a week and didn't get anywhere. And then I was I became very unhappy. Um, I I was very disillusioned with life. And then I got into a, a job at a nutrition store where I was the daytime manager for like four years and I was kept under the thumb by a very psychologically controlling, very sick person. Um, he would only pay me little scraps of cash here and there, and I, I really couldn't do anything but scrape by. Then all of a sudden at 28, the store was going under, and I found myself oust- you know, just ass out of the street. I mean, I, I lost my car, was repossessed. I had my, I lost my apartment. I, uh, I lost my job at the, as a daytime manager. And at, at that time, it's like, hey, I've got rent coming up in like a week, and he owes me twenty eight hundred dollars, which he still owes me. Where am I going? That's how I ended up back at my mom's. It wasn't like you know, it wasn't like I've been staying with her this entire this entire time. I, I I called her up and I said, I'm sorry, but I've got nowhere to go and I've got no money and they took my car, and I'm owed. So I mean, where am I going to go and what am I going to do? So she just she just said, you know, temporarily you can stay at my place. You can uh, with with I and Jack. You can sleep on the floor in the in the TV room, and I happily did that. And then I got a job about a two two weeks after that at the collection agency. And then from there, I was working uh, full time. I was going to college to get my uh, my nursing degree, and uh, that's that's kind of how I ended up from there till now. I mean,
1: well, I are, you my, are you still working on that? Are you still are you still working on the nursing degree?
2: Um, the nursing thing kind of fizzled when I realized I don't have this. I don't have the, um, the 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 type of mindset that you want for a nurse. They want people that are very uh, structured and very rigid and that can follow follow rules. I'm exactly the opposite of that. So nursing uh, went out the window, and I managed to turn some of the prereqs into a biology uh, tier degree. I'd still like to get my bachelor's, and I plan on it. If I, it may or may not be in biology, but I will actually complete, you know, a four-year degree in the, next, in the near future. I've just uh, kind of fallen on hard times, and a lot of unlucky situations have come my way all at once. And I think I've, you know, just done the best I could, essentially.
1: Okay. So- So, Mike, uh, my next question for you here is, uh, well, first, I I want to say something, actually, that um, I I think some of your problems can be defined by uh, your experience in the nursing school, believe it or not. Um, I I think, especially later in life, but but even earlier, you always need to look at all the details before you go into a major undertaking, like going to school for a specific career that, you know, you have to make sure you'd want to be in that career. You have to make sure you know enough about it to where you'll know that for sure you want to be in it. And, and just basically anything you, you do in your life, you have to think about, how is this going to affect me long term? I'm not talking about like daily activities. I mean, any kind of major change in your life, you have to think, how is this going to affect me long term? And, and I shouldn't just do it because of the moment it seems right. Because I'll tell you, the people I know in life who, who have the most problems, who, who just go through one crisis after another, and, and one failure after another, they tend to be the people who just fly by the seat of their pants and and act with no plan in life. And and you have to have some kind of plan. And, um, you know, I've had a a few times in my life where I've considered doing something and then had to stop and think, do I really want to do this? And and one of the biggest moments of this was when I quit my job in 2003 to play professional poker. And, And that was scary to do. But um, you know, it was after I played long enough to where I I thought that I would be a winning player given that environment that, that was going on at the time, and that uh, I could make more money playing poker than I, I would at my job. And it turned out I was right. But wh- what I'm saying oh. here, oh, wait, hold on before before you continue, I just want to make sure that uh, um, people can still hear us. I'm seeing some things in the chat room. If the sounds okay, just want to make sure everybody can hear us, and then we'll we'll continue with the interview. Uh, let me ask them in the chat room if everything's working, and if they say yes then we will continue. and uh, um, Let me see if... Uh, no, if people are saying it's not working. Oh, I think only one person is having a problem. Yes, everybody can hear.
2: Well, thankfully I'm not in a rush to go anywhere.
1: Yeah, no, everybody can hear. Uh, Rollo Tomasi scared me, and usually he's a very uh, good and loyal listener, and he is tonight, but uh, um, he's having some problem himself. He's saying there's dead air, so uh, someone should tell him to... Refresh. Anyway. Um, so
2: anyway, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I, I, I agree with you 110%, and that is something that's really screwed me. Um, it did it did screw me, and it didn't with the college, uh, the college thing. From where I was at, uh, my mom was pretty much like, if you're going to continue to stay here, you need to get a degree, which is something that's really important to her.
0: And I really
2: went to college for her. I mean, I, I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to work for the man. I do not want to punch a fucking time clock ever again. I fucking hate doing that. Um, that was actually the reason why I ended up losing my job at the uh, collection agency. I mean, I challenged the owner of the company. I said, I sit in that chair. I bring you about ten to 12000 a month in profit. Why the fuck would you care if I come in five or ten fucking minutes late? It has nothing to do with the money that I generate. And uh, he and I got, a, he and I got butt head, butted heads like six or seven times, and he ended, up, he ended up firing me. The owner of the company himself fired me because I, I, I had a tendency to come in late and say, look, I know the revenue I'm bringing in, and I'm not a detriment to the employees around me. You know, I'm not sparking some movement. Why would you not just say, I don't care what you do as long as I get my 12 grand a month in profit? And, uh, but he's a, one of those pencil-pushing types, and that's, that's kind of how it ended.
1: Well, you know, Mike, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I can understand how you're feeling that way. And, and, you know, I used to not like the having to get up early aspect of, of working. That was the thing I hated the most was having to, every day, Monday through Friday, be at work early. And, um, you know, if I have something going on the night before, just tough luck, i got to quit it and go to sleep. And, and especially when I played poker, I hated that. But even before poker, I hated that. And, and that's why I'm glad I'm not working now and haven't been for the past nine years. But um, I have to say, it's hard to say I'm going to quit and I'm not going to continue working for the man unless you have a very viable alternative to support yourself. And, and if you don't... As much as you hate it, because a lot—I'll tell you something. A lot of people hate their jobs. A lot of people listening to this show hate work, and in fact, are listening to this show because they hate work. Because uh, on uh, on the next day after the show airs, and they listen to it as a podcast, this helps them get through the day that they otherwise hate. And that's why people sometimes get so mad when this doesn't appear in iTunes, because it's something they expect once a week at least to help them pass a few hours at their boring job, they uh, they don't have. But my point is here. Well, I'll
2: say that. Go
1: ahead. My, my point is here that you have to make sure that uh, you have something, and more than just, like, odd jobs that you can barely scrape by, especially at your age, um, before you say... I
2: I agree, but there's more to the story. I mean, when I was working at that company, I was also doing 15... I was taking 18 units, first 15, then 18, in addition to working full-time, and I was still living with my mom, and she said, I'm okay with you not paying rent as long as you're going to school full-time. So that put me in a position where I didn't have to work, um, even though I know now that... for i for damn sure should not have made that decision, but um it gave me a lot of leeway, like I could leave that job and not be not have to pay rent so at that point and then I, and then at the job i was I was freaking miserable i mean you would you could not you could not i could not describe how miserable that environment was. I was doing hard collections, it was not f the regulated it was get the money you know and, and they fired people every month just to maybe make an example of them, so I was telling that I would tell and I, with with collections, I would generate all my money within the last week. I mean, that's the way people pay. They always want to pay at the end of the month. So I would bring in fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in addition to the, the the twenty or thirty that I had that I had auto generating. And basically, you know, I could only I could have gone in once a week or twice a week or something and probably generated the same amount of money. So punching a clock and everything in in, in reality was costing them more money because they didn't really need to pay me my hourly for as many hours as I worked.
1: Yeah, and so I know. I, 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 I said, I, you so, know,
2: so that's where I came from. I mean, I, I, I put it to my boss, or not my boss, the owner of the company, and I said, look, you know, I don't I don't appreciate you trying to write me up or having my supervisor write me up for being late when I could come in at 9.05 or 10.05 or one oh five and bring in the same 12000 in profit that you get. You know, I, I don't know if you can understand my where I'm coming from on that. But no, of course I can.
1: Uh, the problem is, Mike, sometimes uh, you notice at work that your boss or the owner of the company is doing something stupid, and, and you, you try to tell them to change something and even if you're really polite about it uh, they just don't want to they're just stubborn they want to do it the dumb way even if this costs them money and, and no matter, or, or they don't want to give you the leeway or the freedom that you think you should have or that would make you work better uh, just because of whatever reason they, they just don't want to do it and unfortunately when that happens unless you either have the money to just quit and walk away and, and not worry about working somewhere else or unless you can find another job that's uh, equivalent to it uh, you just kind of have to take it unless it's really, really extreme and terrible. Like if he's he's saying, uh, I want you to work uh, 30 hours unpaid overtime every week, uh, then, then, you know, even if you don't have another option, you have to say goodbye. But, uh, you know, if if the guy's just a hard-ass about being late, even if I I can understand your point about not being, you know, not mattering or how maybe you should have worked less hours at more opportune times of the month and uh, get the same work done in fewer hours, I can understand all that. And you probably saw a lot, you probably are raising a lot of good points about the guy's business. But the, the bottom line is he's the one who makes the rules and, and you have to follow it otherwise uh, you're out of a job and he can fire you and that's what happens. You, the, the thing is you, you you want to accumulate not just... You, you, want, you don't want to just get by. You want to accumulate money to where if things aren't going well, if you don't have a job, if you get fired unfairly, if, if unexpected things happen in your life, to your car or your computer or whatever, that, that you always have the money to back it up. So you always have... So So you want to keep working until you're comfortable, and sometimes you have to put up with bullshit and, and swallow your pride, and, and uh, you know, even I've had to do that in the past, and you know how much I hate doing that, and, yeah. um, you know, so that, that's you're my, that, that's my advice to you, and my other advice, by the way, and this also came from the chat room, um, I, I guess I should ask you, um, there's another site uh, known as Scats, or Skates, um, and that you have been involved there a lot. Um, it's a site of it's kind of spun off of the same community, but it's a it's it's a much smaller group of people, and uh, they all know each other. Most of them, it's almost like a little clique. Um, you are part of that, but in a different way than most of the others are part of it. In that uh, they seem to be making fun of you a lot. They seem to be talking down to you, and uh, sometimes intentionally giving you bad advice to see what happens. Uh, why do you stay there? It, it seems like a very abusive environment. Why do you stay there where it's clear that this is detrimental to you improving your life and being happy?
2: So are we moving on from the last subject? Because I thought we were still talking about the last subject. Oh,
1: sorry. If, if you like to answer, you can answer that too. I, th- I thought we were. But, uh, but if you have something um, to just, say about the last really subject. really
2: quick. I mean, I, 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 I just wanted to say I agree with everything you said. I, I, was, deeply, I was deeply unhappy. I mean, I, I didn't walk away from that collections job because I had something else lined up or anything better. I did it because I was drinking like, you know, like a fish. I mean, at least a 750 of, of hard alcohol every night, um, in addition to some recreational drugs and everything else. I mean, you could not imagine what they what they did, what they would tell us to do to collect money. And if you weren't doing it, the guy next to you would, would and you'd be you'd getting fired. I mean, I saw over 130 or 140 people uh, get hired and fired in, a, in an environment, 20 people to, to be at, at any given time. Uh, within a two-year period, well, so I believe it. it. I mean, yeah, the collections poor.
1: agency is a, is, a, is a crazy. Is a, the collections industry is a crazy industry. I, I and very stressful. And everything you describe, I totally believe.
0: But uh, I just
2: didn't want to undermine your, your point because I actually I, I agree 100%. It's just not. The, it's a little more. It's more complicated. A lot of a lot of times I'll say something, and I don't say it in such a way that I really encapsulate the entire environment and all the all the variables. So a lot of people tend to make judgments on how I'm living and what what's going on in my life but they don't have the whole story. You know, that's one thing that Scooter always hated about me was I would never give the whole story. I was always framing it in a certain way, um, but I didn't realize I was doing that until, you know, he told me. So, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, as for, uh, for scats poker, and I don't pronounce it skates. I have no idea who who would do that. It's not like it has a silent Z or anything. Um, I think the environment is... Not hostile and it's not detrimental. It's actually been a very big um, positive influence in my life in a, a variety of ways. Scats is one of those, uh, those one of those quirky kind of a place uh, places where it's got a tightly a tight uh, a tight knit group of people that also happen to be highly intelligent and they're probably some of the most intelligent people I've ever interacted with. And they don't just let people like you know come into the click. I mean they. They kind of like screen people, and they try to they try to like you know resist you and say, look, if you really want in, you're gonna to have to kind of work at it, you know. Um, for me personally, I I just I I really like a challenge. I really like challenges, you know. Like when I have things uh, like problem solving, I'm a born problem solver. My mom does uh, like all these like hidden object games and like all these weird problem solving games, and she'll have things where she hasn't she spent two or three days on them and say, you know, she'll call me over, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll sit there and go, uh, da, 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 done. So, like, six or seven days of work that she would put in, I would sit there and look at it, and 15 seconds solve it. So, I mean, that's it's just my mentality. Like, the, the Nintendo games, like I said.
0: But well, wait, 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 wait um, what so like well, does this have to, to do with Scats,
2: like, though? That's, that's exactly, yeah. They, it seems like they, they resist letting you in, and that made me want to get in even more. And then what ended up happening was I had a longstanding um, rivalry, I guess, with uh, with a, a poster named Big D. McGee. And I didn't realize it, but I really pissed him off at one point. And a lot of what happened at Scats kind of boils down to he didn't like me, and he found a very creative way of basically letting me get ridiculed, while at the same time kind of telling me um, behind the scenes, oh, no, no, don't don't listen to them. That's not what's going on. It's really this.
0: Well, and you know, so I mean, was
2: just kind of listening to him and saying, okay, so everything's cool. Go back. Well, hold
1: on. Putting, putting the details aside, hang on here, because uh, a lot of the listeners aren't really familiar with all those people there, and I, I don't want to go into who each person is. But uh, um, just in general, what I've witnessed there, and what I've witnessed in their interactions with you, is uh, um, this is a very close-knit group of people, as you said. And um, so some people would call it a circle jerk. But uh, um, this little group of people has a very narrow group of who they respect. And and uh, if they don't respect you, uh, they're never going to wa- want to let you in. And it's not you're not getting some prize by getting in. It doesn't mean you're smart. It doesn't mean you're cool. It just means that a certain group of people likes you as opposed to not liking you. Uh, I'll tell you, that group of people does not respect me. They, they don't like me, and, and uh, they would never want me in their little group, and that's fine. I, I, I don't want to be part of it, and uh, um, you know I, I know the whole world is not going to like me. Some people will, some people won't. Some people will be neutral. Um, I, I think that they're never going to respect you either. Just like I said, they would never respect me. They're never going to respect you and i they just have you there from what i can see a, as a source of amusement especially because you you want to be part of the whole thing you want them to accept you you want them to be nice to you and i i believe they've probably given you some good advice at times i believe that they've um they've they've told you some things that are the right thing to do but uh that doesn't make it a healthy place to be just because there's a little good in there among a lot of bad but i know you've had a lot of uh Difficulty with some of the people there and some of the situations there. And I, I, I just don't see this as like a, a nurturing good environment for someone who's trying to recover. and try. You know, I don't think it's a positive thing for you. Even if it seems like they're giving you tough love or they're trying to, um, you know, give you a hard time in order to push you into doing the right thing. Um, I, I think it's just too harmful. I think they're just, uh, they think you're a puppet and I, I just don't uh, think it's the right place for you. I think if you're going to get better and your life's going to get back on track, you you need to stay away from really negative people like that. You you, you don't want to be with people who are ass kissers who are going to say everything is wonderful when you're really making mistakes or people who are going to be afraid to tell you when you're wrong, but you don't want to be with people who are going to constantly put you down and be negative and, uh, um, you know, make jokes at your expense constantly. And, and even if, you think you eventually are accepted by them one day, uh, it'll just be a trick. And that, that's part of the whole thing. You say they're intelligent. Uh, the problem is a lot of times when intelligent people get together, um, they, they tend to look down on everybody else, and they think everybody's less intelligent than they are, even if they're not. And, and they, they want to use that to manipulate others who, who they see as below them. And and then they have a good laugh. So you, you've you got to make sure not to give those people that satisfaction and that's what I see happening over there. And that, that's my advice to you. And obviously you can you can talk to who you want and befriend who you want and post where you want. I'm just, I, a lot of people have witnessed this and have kind of thought the same thing as me. Some people have told me privately, I don't know why Mike is on, on scats. And obviously leaving scats is not going to miraculously help your life. You're not going to get all better and, and everything be wonderful if you leave there. But I think that's that's one of several steps uh, in addition to just thinking before you act thinking long term to everything you do that, that that would have any kind of impact uh, staying away from drugs and um, you know just just trying to rebuild and, and shut down everything from the uh, um, you know from the past that the, any demons you have I know these things are a lot easier said than done but uh, that that would be my advice to you to, to get back on track because I've watched you on these forums now for for years and and not only am I seeing the same things over and over occurring, I'm seeing them get worse. And uh, a lot of times in my life I've watched people get worse and then there's some kind of very bad ending for them. And I, I don't want to see a bad ending for you. And, and well, I mean, how
2: exactly have you seen me get worse from having gone to Scouts?
1: How are you going to get worse from being there?
2: No, I mean, how exactly, give me an example of how you've seen my life get worse from having gone to that forum.
0: Oh, well, just because and they're... they're don't,
2: don't, go, don't go don't go back to, like, March or April because that was a disaster. Try looking back to the last month or two.
1: I, I I don't read it every day, and, and all the drama with you every day. So, but what I can tell you is that in general, and I think anybody from the outside who reads it would see is that the, the you're there as as kind of uh, um, someone they want to make fun of and, and make a joke out of, rather than someone they really want to help. Now they may offer some legitimate advice in the process, but but these aren't people I think who really care about your well-being, or at least not anymore. Now I can't say that.
2: Well, I don't think they ever. I don't think they necessarily. I think it's at their core, the majority of them are good people. Um, however, they have a tendency to, you know, kind of poke fun, and they only can do that because they, like you said before, they tend to hide behind anonymity, which is something I can't stand. But I mean, for the most part, I had a lot of issues when I went to the forum, and a lot of the things that you saw and a lot of and what other people saw um, was me going in there. Like a complete disaster. I mean, I cared way too much about what people online said. I wanted to be part of that group, which is a complete... It's kind of dumb in the first place because they're just a bunch of random people. I mean, it shouldn't matter if they like me or they don't. And uh, for the most part, I, I went to that forum... And I kind of picked up on the fact that they, um, they're intelligent, they, t- they tend to really like each other, and they, they respect each other. So I kind of felt like, all right, so if I can get into this group and they can respect me, then I know that it'll improve my self-esteem. You know, it'll make me feel like, okay, I can be liked and respected anywhere.
1: But you realize now, that, you realize if, you, if they don't accept you the way you want, or if you think they do and it turns out the whole thing was just a game, then that really kills your, your self-esteem. And, and all it takes is, uh, you know, if you, if you just see a few isolated situations, like you have kids that are in high school and 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 especially in a smaller high school where uh, where the kids in their in their class don't like them and make fun of them and put them down and even if you try to tell the kid hey you know this is just a small group of kids you you know just because they don't like you or they make fun of you that doesn't mean that's going to be what life is it's hard for them to see that outside outside of where they are and and uh, that can really kill their self-esteem. That's where a lot of uh, suicides come in and other stuff like that. Uh, th- that's why there's been such a push to end the bullying in school in, in recent years. Uh, the what, I, what I'm trying to say here is that um, I don't think you're ever going to get the satisfaction from this group of people that you're accepted with them and that they're friends and that they're people you can count on and people that you can be proud to know. I, I see it more of the other side where it's going to be negativity or you feel like... Uh, you're, you're, you're being used or made fun of, and I just, I just don't think that's a healthy group to be part of from from what I've seen occurring. And um, To be honest
2: with you, I think you had a point maybe like two months ago, um, but like I said before, um, I was kind of, I was being misled by a certain person, and I talked to that person and said, you know, tell me the truth, and he, uh, he told me the truth, he did it in such a way that I read between the lines, and everything really became clear, and I kind of realized that it's just the internet. You know, all the all the tough lessons that I needed to learn, I've learned. I mean, well, I went there anyway the to stay, better myself.
1: That's the point. You should stay away from it. It's just the internet. It's not, you know, it's not going to. I think it's it's definitely much more harm than good, and it'll be up to you. But you, I think you'll come to me in a, a few months and probably say you were right about this. And, and well, I mean, no, I
2: I agree with you now that it's it was a waste of time. No, and even right now, e- even today. And all that, but but, it, but but I mean, the bottom line is I have improved, and I think what, what what's what I, the point I'm trying to make is. What you get out of something is, has a lot to do with what you give and also what are you looking for. I mean, I wanted, to, I wanted to identify the problems in my life, like why was I failing? Why did I have drug problems? Why have I had such low self-esteem? Why do I not, why do, I not do well, you know, in life? <clears throat> and I've actually been able to answer the majority of those questions from having interacted with that group of people because it's, if, you, if I go to, like, your site, if I go to Donk Down or Get Big or some of the other forums, it's not nearly as personal. You know, a lot of it is just like, you know, you make a post and 30 other people respond to you and then you make, you know, another post and 30 people respond. You don't really know who the hell anybody is, you know, but at Scats, it's very... It's very personal. It's on a it's on a much more private, intimate uh, level.
1: Well, but you, and, if you've uh, gotten your answers now, then there's no point to stay there. But anyway, Mike, I, I don't want to talk about that site over and over. I just wanted to get that in there. And um, I'm, just,
2: I'm just, I just want to close and say that they're actually a decent group of people. And, and I, I'm sorry that you don't like them,
1: but
0: I don't me not liking them. I don't
2: see that forum like I used to. I mean, I just go there for fun. No, I'm not you know, trying to get you, into the group. I don't really care about them, and they don't really care about me. I'll, I I'll tell
1: you this: it's not about not liking them. Like, like you take someone like like Sonatine for example. Uh, he's Um, I I don't have a problem with him. He's fine. He he participates in this forum. But, um, you know, I I don't think it's unhealthy for him to participate over there because they're nice to him. They they accept him. They see him as one of them. I I don't think he's going to Gain much from being part of that place. It's not going to hurt him either. I don't think they're going to. I, I, they're probably not going to turn on him or hurt him in any way. So I think uh, if Sonatine asked me, should I be part of Scats? I'd say, yeah, fine. You know, it's, uh, I don't see how it's going to hurt you. Uh, with you, it's a different story, and that, that's that's what my point was. It's not. It's not the. But episode. if I'm
2: not li- if I'm not inv- if I'm not really emotionally involved anymore, why would it?
1: Well, it, 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 it's it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that you're not uh, emotionally involved. Someone bubbles is saying in chat uh, he's asking me if I'm now a shrink. Maybe that should be my new uh, my new prank call character as uh, a shrink. I'm, I'm
2: not nearly as emotionally attached to that place as I used to be. I
1: yeah. mean, I, I
2: think that it's it's not really benefiting me that much anymore, and I can take it or leave it. But that 's a good thing i mean that's actually a huge improvement and yeah. I, I really wish you could see that you know my my time on that that forum has actually improved my life in a lot of ways i mean I have a a tremendous level of introspection I can really look at my behavior as for what it is and like what what's what causing you know my actions and I know what it 's like to talk to people that are that are uh, trying to exploit me now i mean if 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 I, I, I couldn't see that I was the butt of the joke in the beginning, and now I can. And when I'm talking to people and I'm in social situations, I mean, I, I get a real good feeling now for where I stand, where everybody else stands, and who's making fun of whom. I mean, the, the, that Jay Searles post is a really good example. I would That would have gone over my head for, for the rest of my life if I hadn't spent the time that I did on scouts. So and now I can see, like, you know, some, I can see where more intelligent people throw, throw like, you know, they, they throw some jabs in there, and uh, most of the time it goes unnoticed. You know, I was Jay Searles and March. And uh, I put in my time, and I think I've benefited tremendously. And I, I think well, you more. know, even if you benefited, I still
1: don't think I still don't think it's a healthy environment. But I, I won't continue debating it. It's obviously up to you. It's your life. Uh, I'm just giving my advice from. Uh, um, yeah, my, my experience. To
2: less emotionally involved, my my and experience with things.
1: with a lot of things, and just to, when there's something that's negative or people who don't treat you with respect, just to not not be part of it. And uh, um, you so know, let, so let
2: me ask you this: my 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 roommate, landlord, whatever you want to call him, he was telling me a story that when he was uh, working for Lockheed, he went spend time with a buddy of his that did engineering, and this guy was a total alcoholic. Like he would drink at 6:30 in the morning, he'd be in the bar, and then he'd go to work at nine. He'd work for however the long. Uh, and then he'd go back to the bar, and he would just sit there, propped up in a chair with a, a handkerchief around his shot glass because he couldn't hold it with his hand. it was shaking so bad. And he would drink himself all night long.
0: And uh, he had a
2: wife who would come down to talk to him at the bar and then go back home. That's an unhealthy relationship right there, and only in a crappy society will you say, oh, man, I really should tell him something. But it wouldn't be polite, right? That's where we live now. We live in a society where people are hurting themselves all the time uh, where's the tough love? You know, why 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 can't you go and say, hey, moron, you know, quit drinking, you're hurting your wife. No, you can And you, you're probably going to end up being fired. You can't. Right, and, but that's...
1: And that's the we problem. shouldn't live
2: in that kind of a society. It's not, it's not logical. Being polite is killing our society. Yeah, no, it's not that's about politeness, though. You, 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 you should time. have
1: people in your life that, uh, wherever they are, I even mean, if it's on the internet, that will tell you the truth about yourself, but not ones who will then take it to try to make a joke out of you, or, or try to you know mess with you for your amusement, for amusement. That that's what you don't want in your life. You you want people that are just going to tell you the truth, even if it's unpleasant stuff. You don't want to hear about yourself. That's but but not if they get pleasure in doing it. Only only if they uh, only if they tell you this only for your own good, and then don't use it against you in the future. So that's that's what you okay, should be that's, looking that's, out to do.
2: That's a pretty perfect uh, that's a pretty perfect answer. So. Uh, anyway,
1: Mike, uh, you know, I, the reason I have you on here is just, uh, so people, you know, you post, you have a lot of posts in this forum. You're one of the top few posters in the uh, number of posts. Um, I, I think only limitless than me are ahead of you. And uh, so people see you all the time. And people sometimes think your posts don't make sense. And people are like, who is this 408 Mike guy? And even though you've been around the community for many years, people still don't really know you or understand you. And uh, I, I think that, um, you know, people wanted to hear you speak. And, uh you know, I, I can tell you—you you sound like you have the potential to, to have a normal life. You—you you don't sound like a freak or anything on the phone. You—you you sound like a normal guy when you speak, and, um, and you're well-spoken and like I—I I, I can see things working out for you, given the right decisions and right circumstances. You're, you're not someone who who seems like so screwed up that uh, you can give them kind words, but you know they have no chance. That—that's that, not the case for you. You just have to make the right choices and and. Uh, Trust the right people, and, and uh, I would also say don't be so trusting. If someone appears to be nice on the surface, just, uh,
2: oh, That well. was one of the hardest lessons I learned as guy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, not just with them, just with, with because everybody. People, because
2: people are nice, uh, that's actually a warning sign. Uh, I've, I've kind of learned, unless it's family, you know, if someone's being nice to me, I can almost guarantee you 110% that uh, I'm very wary of whatever the hell they're, they're telling me or trying to give me. That was a, that was one of the hardest lessons I've ever had to learn and I'm actually really thankful that I did. Yeah,
1: like like you know, I I want to like you have got to look at uh, also if you have any history of the person's past behavior, if uh, if the the history of how they treated other people is something that uh you like and that you think is uh um, respectable, then, then trust the person more. If, if, if they have a lot of shady dealings or, or dealings where they always seem to have falling outs with people that they were once close with and things like that, and you, you can't figure out why this this keep happening over and over, uh, that or, or trust issues with, between them and other people, then, then it's the type of people to stay away from. So you, uh, the best people to be close to are the ones that are consistent and that you, you know what to expect from. But anyway, Mike, thank, thank you for...
2: Uh, um, I, really quick, though, I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on something that you started the show off with. Um, you said to me that I'm the opposite of most posters where I actually share details of my life and I'm not really shy about uh, about things that I don't really hide. There's actually a very good reason why I do that. If I'm having problems with my mom or I'm having problems with uh, a girlfriend or I'm having some kind of a decision I can't I can't make on my own or something, I can go online and I can talk about it and it has no bearing on my personal life. Now that's that is to me one of the biggest benefits of being able to go online to these forums
0: is that I
2: can talk to, I can talk about my problems. I can talk about how, what I think. I can say I think this is happening, or I think this person is doing this, and I don't like it. You know, what do you think, Joe, Bob, or you know, or Henry, or something online? And you know, I can get an answer, a decent, honest answer, as long as there are you know people that I trust. And then I can go back and I can you know go to my normal life and not make really bad mistakes because I have. Um, I've had a lot of experiences where, you know, I'll, I'll say things I think or I feel or I have uh, suspicions about something, and then, you know, because I told someone in my personal life, then I lose a friend, or somebody tells somebody, tells somebody, and I've got an angry relative. So I think there's a, big ask, there's a really big benefit to these forums that a lot of people are missing because they're so terrified of anybody finding out their first name or something. Um, they don't really get the, the full value of being able to go online and share your, your problems, your thoughts, and your experiences in such a way that the people that do matter I mean you turn off your computer and they don't exist, but the the people like your in your in your family and in your personal life, if you say the wrong thing to them, they're gonna see you differently forever. But if I say the wrong thing online, I turn off my fucking computer and they don't exist. So I don't I, I think there's actually a lot of logic to being upfront with people and being just straightforward, like, you know, this is me, this is what who I am and what I think. What do you guys think about, you know, this problem or this issue? And I don't know, I think you kinda of feel the same way, but I don't think anybody really understands, you know, where we're coming from. I mean, well, you, myself, Weiss, and a few other people are pretty pretty upfront, and I think it actually benefits us more than most uh, of most Well, people. I, th- I think what can
1: frustrate people is when uh, you talk about a certain problem that's happening, and then they take time to give you advice, and then you come up with another problem where had you followed their advice in the first place, then this second problem right. wouldn't be happening, and then they feel frustrated like they wasted their time trying to help you, and then some of them lash out by instead of continuing to help, just saying, screw it, I'm just going to make fun of this guy if he's going to ignore all my advice. And that that that's where you can run into problems where unless you really are asking for advice and are probably going to take it, uh, then if you're going to run into the same issue again or similar issue again and then bring it back out there, you're really risking getting people angry and getting people frustrated. Now,
0: that—that that is, that is
2: exactly what – that's one of the biggest things that screwed me on Scats. I think that had I done uh, – if I if I had done right by all the advice given right from the get-go – I would have, I would actually be like you know i I' have made a lot of more progress than I ever did, and I think you I mean you're dead on the money and that's that's my, my, a lot of my history is you know people giving me advice and me not listening but i wasn't I didn't really realize that i was I was doing it so bad until people got really pissed off on me on your forum and also on scats and uh that was again a really hard lesson to learn you know people give advice if you ask for advice, don't ask for it unless you're actually going to follow through with it yeah. and um I definitely learned my lesson on that one too all right well Just, yeah uh,
1: it's been a learning experience.
2: Thank, yeah, you, thank you for, for appearing uh, here on
1: uh, on the show, and Mike, you know maybe we'll check in with you uh, on another show in the future and and see how things are going. I, I hope everything works out. Uh, please, you know, try to take what I what I told you to heart here. You know, I'm i have 40 years old. I've had a lot of experience. Uh, maybe not in all the specific things that you have, but but I've seen both of myself and others I've known. Uh, many of whom were or friends I've had or, or acquaintances that have been very different than me and different lives than me that, uh, um, things that have worked and things that haven't worked. And, and believe me, I'm, am t- telling you a lot of things that, uh, that, that will ring true. And, uh, I hope you follow it and I hope that you get everything together and, and I hope you can stay away from, from abusive or, uh, or people who are just trying to use you in some way and not really uh, help you out. So, so anyway, uh, Mike, thank you for being on the show. And, uh, I, I, I found the segment to be interesting, and uh, I, I'll have you on in the future, and uh, hopefully we'll get a good update.
2: Yeah, I would have loved to get like a PM or something, so I know that you're going to call me. Yeah, you, I, know, uh, you know, I'll
1: tell you the truth. I, I I wanted to call last week, but I I didn't get to because the last week we weren't on. The previous week we didn't have any time because it was like an hour and a half show, and and this um this week I don't have any co hosts so I said you know this is a good time to call four oh eight Mike, and um you know so I just gave it a shot. If you said you weren't ready, I would have been fine, but I'm, I'm glad you did it, and, you know, we were just talking about your own life, so you didn't really have to prepare much. You just answered questions honestly, and that's all you needed to do. So thank, thank you for appearing, and uh, we'll talk to you later.
2: All right. Thank you for having me. Have a good day.
1: So that was Mike, uh, 408 Mike, uh, frequent poster in our forum. Uh, we have another caller on the air. Hello.
3: Mr. Wittellis.
1: Yes, who's calling?
3: Crow Diddley. Crow
1: Diddley. How are you doing? Oh, it's Crow Diddley. Yep. Oh, yeah. Crow Diddley, Crow Diddley, the number one poster, the the one guy that is, is voted to be a better poster than me on the site. Uh, congratulations for winning that, and and welcome to the show. I, I know there were a lot of people pressuring you in the chat room to call here.
3: Yeah, the uh, I guess with these with these <laughs> online awards come big responsibilities. So and to get the most value out of my online experience. As Mike would say, I well, figured I had to call
1: in. Well, I got to say that there's one place you're not getting value right now, and that's in your cell phone. It's it's not a very good connection, and it it, it could be on my end, but I, I have a feeling it's on on yours. It kind of sounds like a cell phone connection that's not very good. Would you want to hang up and call right back and and give it another shot? Uh,
3: yeah, one minute. Okay, I'll
1: call right back. Thanks. Okay. okay. <laughs> so it was Crow Diddley. I I couldn't hear him very well. I don't know about the rest of you, but it was kind of like it sounded like cell phone static, kind of. And, um, <laughs> someone said in the chat, someone buy Crow a smartphone. You know, I get that comment from Ken Scaler all the time, who, uh, you know, doesn't own a cell phone and never has. Like, whenever I have bad reception, he's like, you have so much money, why don't you buy a better phone? I'm like, Ken, I have an iPhone 4S. It just, it doesn't get good reception anywhere. There's no phone that exists that you're going to have good reception everywhere. He's like, well, why not? Why don't you get a phone with better reception? So, I'm sure Crow Diddley has a, a fine phone. And if he doesn't, he has $50 now towards a new one. I don't think he's calling from a payphone either. just don't have that feeling. So, uh, hopefully we'll hear back from Crow Diddley in a minute or so and uh, hear what he has to say. Uh, in the meantime, anybody else wants to call? 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355. Darkstar, who is our uh, sponsor here for BracketGeek.com, said he sounded like Mushmouth from Fat Albert. <laughs> <laughs> I guess an alternate uh, person you could say he sounded like was uh, Charlie Brown's mother. Not quite that bad, but uh, the phone kind of messed up. So, uh, you know, I first had my cell phone. I hear he's calling back. I was going to tell stories about my first cell phone, but I'll spare you guys. Caller, you are on the air.
3: Hey, sorry about that. Okay. Bad reception in my
1: house. Yeah, it sounds better so far. So, uh, Creditly, uh, what, what would you like to talk about aside from the fact that you were pressured by uh, other users in the chat room to call?
3: Um, well, honestly, I, I can't say I had uh, anything in particular. Um, it was, uh, mostly dancing because, uh, Six Till Pete told me to, as, uh, he's pointing out in the chat many times. But, uh, You know, long-time fan, all all that. And uh, I was hoping by calling in maybe I could end the 408 call just a little bit quicker, and I think I did that. So overall, uh, success all
4: around.
1: Well, we were actually minutes away from ending the 408 call, probably about one minute away. You you may have hastened it by about 30 seconds or a minute, but I was was about done with the interview. Uh, I I know not everybody liked the interview and felt it went on long, but uh, uh, I I was done for the most part with what I was going to do tonight, and Drexel is... uh, Uh, taking longer with his family than I expected. So I I said, you know, the the closer we get to the end of the show, the less I hold the bar up for uh, how good the content has to be. That's when I let things drag a little bit longer because uh, people can just turn it off and we're pretty much done with the things they want to hear anyway. So that's my my attitude. And I, I, I was still finding it personally interesting to me, at least.
3: Uh, he, I mean, he is. Uh, I think you have to expect 408 to come in long form. I don't think they're really if, – uh, if he was giving short answers and being brief and concise, that wouldn't be the 408 that, that we've known. So you can only expect uh, him to talk for hours at, for every question.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I, as far as you being voted the best poster, it's funny because I was thinking about what made Crow Diddley – the best poster on Poker Fraud Alert, according to the uh, It's majority. a strange thing. Well, I know, but I, you know? I, I wasn't criticizing it. I was just thinking in my mind, like, what criteria were people using when they were judging? And, uh, and I thought about your post, and the funny thing is, Crow Diddley's posts uh, usually aren't, like, really long or, or uh, um, anything like that. Crow Diddley just chimes in with, uh, you know, various topics. Sometimes he starts his own topics, but tep- typically he chimes in with useful information. And, and by the way, if you're in our chat room, I see people are getting mass kicked out. Just uh, refresh it if you're having a problem. Um, I know we need a new chat room. But anyway, I, I think it's because you always come in with useful information. You you, you're, you really aren't rude to people typically. Once in a while, you know, you tell someone off. But usually you just come in with, with useful and relevant information that, that seems to be right on target and that people can easily understand and that, that adds well to the conversation. And they just remember that and seeing that over and over then it just made people think, yeah, Crow Diddley, you know, this guy's right on, this is a this is a good poster, this is someone I'm always happy to read when I see he's posting. I think that's what they get from you.
3: Uh, thank you. Uh I usually pretty much I, I mean I, I write, you know, double the amount that I actually post and half of them I delete, you know, before before uh, actually posting it because really? you know, this <laughs> half of if you if you ask, you know, if I got nothing to say I just try not to say it which is why I wasn't going to call in at first but
1: uh, I think people wanted to hear from you that's fine what can you do you've
3: you've been on long enough by yourself tonight so
1: yeah I'm surprised that people that you actually delete a lot of what you write I'll tell you the truth when I post there usually is not very much I delete. Sometimes I, I'm in the middle of a long post and I'll I'll delete one part of it that I don't think will come off well or that I, I, I don't want to say anymore. Once in a while I'll make a post and immediately delete it if I uh, say, no, oh, no, I, really, I don't want to bring this up on forums or things like that, but it's not that common. Uh, I'd say a very high percentage of what I type onto my forum, I, I hit submit and put it through anyway, good or bad. But uh, it, it's always interesting to hear about other people's posting habits, and uh, I, I actually wouldn't have guessed you as someone that... Uh, that frequently erases before he submits what he's writing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't come out quick, some you know, I, sometimes I leave windows open for a long time. And uh, after a while, it, I just, I usually reread it before I post. We hmm. were talking about posting theory at 1 <laughs> in the morning. But
0: now, now a, f- a few things about
1: you. How old are you? Do you mind uh, telling us your age? I'm 35. 35. Uh, uh, yeah.
3: I had the account and make sure.
1: Okay. And uh, and how long have you been part of this community? Were you you were on like the original everyone poker, right? Um yeah, I I had an account
3: there. I pretty much never posted there cuz I don't know, y'all fucking scared me pretty much at the end there. And uh at the end it wasn't worth posting there after the Carter and all that shit. Um so when Donk Down opened, that was pretty much when I first started posting. I'd been listening to radio well before that. But uh
0: And and what, what brought
3: you,
1: been, what brought you over to Never One Poker in the first place? What, what what do you remember what made you find it and what made you start listening listen to the radio show and all that?
3: Um My brother actually found it before I did. Uh the the Commissioner. <laughs> but uh it was probably I don't know, yeah I don't remember if, what first made me find it, but uh, I mean, I hate to say it was the brandy stuff that pretty much, you know, that was
1: uh, by far the, the a, most
3: interesting thing that first pulled me in.
1: Well, there there were a number of bigs. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of new users came through whenever there's some sort of big story that kind of crossed over to two plus two that got people over from there. Yeah, you know, that was one of them. Uh, the uh, the David Williams porn was one of them. The, the genocide pictures. You know, the, the very first pictures of her they were taken from the webcam. Uh, where she was yeah. in her underwear, like the, those were all the big things that brought people over, and um, you know that, that. More recently, like on on Donkdown, the Travis McCar thing brought a lot of people over. So like that, that's where you sometimes get people where they otherwise wouldn't have come. And yeah, I, I always like when new people show up to the community in, in whatever way they get there, and and of course the as Rella Tomasi saying the A P U B situation that that brought people as well. So um yeah. Anyway, but at uh, first,
3: it never went. I mean, you know, people say that the this community hard to break into and start posting in, but, I mean, it it, it was pretty much impossible, you know, at, at never went. Unless,
0: yeah, it was.
1: You know, people were not very so, accepting of new people, I'll say that. <laughs> That's
3: a, yeah, yeah, it's gotten slightly friendlier over the years. Yeah, so,
1: and we have a million spin-offs. <laughs> hard to tell
3: here. in the last couple of days because, you know, everything seems to have gone to shit, but uh, I know you said you didn't want to talk about that, but, you know, I called in. You get, well, I figure I got to at least ask. You guys uh, straightening shit out?
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like the, the controversies you're seeing over the past few days uh, uh, are going to be over. And um, For, like, six months. I wouldn't be surprised if, if this breaks out again in some way based upon history. I hope it doesn't. I, I really don't like wasting my time on this. Some people think I enjoy... The forum drama and, and and fighting with certain people that I've fought with for years, I really don't. And as I get older, I enjoy it less and less. And and, and you're
3: still compelled though. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm compelled to do it when it happens, but but I, I don't enjoy it. I don't, I don't say, oh great, I've been waiting for something like this. Like I I really prefer when it's peaceful. I prefer when there's not controversy. I I, I prefer when I can just open up my site and uh, just talk about whatever subjects are up there. Bring up my own subjects and just have regular discussions without. Involving myself in drama, either mine or other people's. And, and it's, it, it, because when it happens, it wastes a lot of my time, it, it, it gets stressful, and, uh, you know, and I, I have less time than I used to. And, and when I start playing online poker actively again, once, you know, once it gets legalized, or, or if these Nevada rooms don't end up being shit, these online ones, um, when I start, then I'll have even less time. Because right now, I'm I'm really not playing online poker. And, um, but you know, still, I, I have a, a girlfriend. I've got uh, I've got a child, which takes up a whole lot of time. And
0: um, uh, did
3: know, they get much? I mean, do did people actively contact them? And you know, I'm not talking about any one of your relatives specifically, but in general, when someone posted an address or things like that, did they pretty much always get used?
0: I, you know, yes, usually something
1: happens in some way. Um, nothing catastrophic or awful has happened, I'll say that. But, uh, yes. but, but, even on the level of annoyance or, or, or just strange people hassling them out of nowhere or whatever, like. The problem is these are people who don't post on forums. They don't want any part of this, and they're very aware of what I do. They're not shocked it happens, uh, but but it's it's something they don't need. And of course, they have their own lives they're busy with. And I, and I, I don't. I never like having to ask anyone close to me to change something in their life because of me, because of mm. people who know me. Like if it's about, I, I wouldn't mind having them change something in their life. Like if I ended up in the hospital, I wouldn't mind asking them to come over and visit me in the hospital. Uh, but what what I would mind. Is when people who don't like me, you know, hassle somebody else uh, because they don't like me, and then, then this person has, to, in my family, has to change something in their life to make it harder for them to be harassed. But then they have to change something else to, you know, they'd rather not change. I, it really bothers me when that happens because I, I just don't want, uh, I, I just don't want that to yeah. be occurring. It's not fair, and these people don't deserve it. And uh, um, and you know what? I'll say this too. I don't reach out to just harass people out of nowhere. I, I really don't. I'm not an, a person who really comes out offensively, except in the situations where there's clear, like a clear problem that's occurred. Like, like I was reaching out and harassing, if you want to call it that, the owners of AP and UB. That, that I will say, that they didn't, uh, but of course you know, they cheated me first, but even if they haven't, even if I just stumbled upon the story, I might have gotten involved. But that's a different yeah. story. That's a. I, I'm. I'm talking about just like I don't just flame users out of nowhere on my site and just harass them constantly when they've done nothing to me. And I didn't do that. I don't do that here. I didn't do that on DocDown, I didn't do that. Didn't do that on Everyone Poker. I. I don't just find people that I find distasteful in some way and just pick on them and try to harass them and all that. I don't do that because I, I. I don't believe in doing yeah. that. Uh, so usually but when they, I,
3: it's weird though because you know. They also know what your reaction is going to be, and they do it. It's sort of like, you know, down in Cuba in, uh, what was it, The Godfather 2, when the dude blew himself up in front of the car, and they ask Hyman Ross, you know, what does that tell you? And he says, it tells me they can win because they just don't care. And, I mean, that's sort of what, what the, you know, they do every time. They know what you're going to do. They know you're going to go all out, and they fuck with you anyway. Just to get you to do it, it's it's a really strange cycle that uh, I don't know how you get out of. But I mean, it's like they want you to do yeah. what well,
1: you're doing.
0: You know, it's
3: I, it's hard to understand, and yet we've seen it so many times. Yeah, and
1: it. I I try to deal with these things as they come. And there's a you know there's a lot of restraint I show that people don't even know I show, and I'm not going to get into it. But there's been a lot a lot of things done where you'd expect me to respond in a very angry way to certain people, and I haven't. Uh, and and, yeah. uh, and I, I'm doing this to try to keep the peace on my sight, to try to keep stress out of my life, to try to just let some things go, even though I feel someone has done something wrong to me and I never really did anything back to them for it. Like, I, I try to just... With some people, just let things go if, if they're not chronically doing something or if, or, or if some stuff has been done, but it, but it's passed by and it seems like it's done. So so anyway, the the, the I really would love for this to just this and everything else like this, just to pass and, uh, and, and me to concentrate on, on running a good site here. And, and, uh, and and also what the site's original mission was, was to keep, uh, uh, keep on publicizing scandals in poker and, and making people aware of that. And, and I always like when people just email me out of nowhere, like that guy who got cheated on 888. I didn't like that it was happening to him. And, uh, we were going to have him on this week, but he's traveling. Uh, and yeah. But uh, I, I like getting bringing those stories to the forefront, so companies that do this crap get a little more pressure on them, and, and also get fewer customers while they're acting this way. So
3: um, other other things while while uh, they pop into my mind, um, what's up with Jay Sterols? Why is he still on the site? Is he a scammer or not? Well, um, like Jay Searles, it's really weird. You know, that you have people like him on there. Like, you keep a hard line in name, but then weird shit keeps happening like that. And, uh, you know, the fact that Weiss is on the site at all. And I like him. But, well, you know, these things have happened.
1: You know, um, with Jay Searles, um, what he did wasn't, you know, I wouldn't call it a scam. It was cunty,
3: I, but not scammy. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I, I agree he owes the money. And, and, uh, you know, when when I was asked for my opinion on this, I said you owe the money. You owe you owe the five hundred dollars. I'm not gonna rehash the whole thing, but he wasn't at running scams on here. If he was, he would be gone. And and uh and same with anybody who runs scams on here and uh you know, the Templar he's not he just left himself. He'd be he kinda banned himself by just leaving. He but, doesn't run scams on here,
3: but he ran a scam.
1: Yeah, yeah. But 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 anyone who <laughs> yeah, uses a site to scam, I don't want them here, or someone who's been actively scamming, I don't want them here. Um however since I can't perform a background check on every one of our posters, um,. It's hard to say such and such person uh, borrowed money from someone else four years ago and didn't pay, or from a few other people didn't pay, or or got involved with some other shady stuff. But uh, um, for that reason, yeah, I, I don't, don't know if Weiss has settled his debts or anything. By yeah. the way, I
3: don't mean to call him out without actually knowing. Yeah, I don't but, remember but I, what his deal was.
1: You know, but I'm I'm not going to ban those people. I'm I'm not going to let them hide here under phony names. Which is like when Weiss showed up, I, I let everybody know that uh, you know who he is, and uh, um, you know I'm not going to let people hide so they can get more unsuspecting victims, but uh, you know, if someone hasn't been involved in this where they haven't, you know, what they did was kind of like low-level stuff years ago, I'll let them post here, and um, you know, if, if I see problems again, th- then they're gone. But uh, otherwise, all, all you're doing by banning people who have any kind of history to them, I think you're just uh, shutting out people that, a lot of people that aren't going to cause problems, and a lot of people who will, uh, you just don't know that they, they have the potential to cause problems, you just don't know as much about them, so so anyway, the uh, that's why he maybe he, scammers can stay. And and Jay Searles, you know, I, as I said, I didn't see what he did was a scam. I just thought he he just did something wrong where he owed someone money and didn't agree he did. Uh, he definitely did, but uh, I I don't see him like likely to scam anyone on here. I don't think there's uh, I don't think there's uh, I, I think he deserves the wrath he gets from the posters here, and I think a lot of his posts are are almost done on purpose to make people not like him but he's not quite...
3: Yes, yeah, so he's a scammer and a troll. Yeah, well, you know, that sort of makes it worse.
1: Well, yeah, but he's not quite at the point here to where I think he needs to be banned. He's he's not that far from it, but I don't think he's quite there yet. And uh, Any
3: any other poker site, I wouldn't even mention it, but, you know, yeah. when it's poker fraud alert.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, he, welcome, to, you're welcome to mention it, and, uh, but I don't think Jay Searles is like committing poker frauds or frauds against poker players. There's one guy he owes money to that he should pay. That uh, that he made a bet with and then f- Fred a weasel out of it. But uh, I, I don't. I really don't think Jay Strolls is in danger of ever ripping anyone off on the site ever again. And I don't even think that was like a real intention to cheat someone. I think it was just something stupid he did that uh, he should pay up, and uh, he's not. But uh, anyway, that's that's why he's still Fair here. Enough. And uh, um, you know, it's so that's my answer. If people, if someone had a question in the chat room of what you do for a living.
3: Oh, um, okay. I I work for a temp agency. I basically make sure everybody gets paid. I run the books, basically.
0: Oh, okay.
1: People are just curious. Yeah. And, and what? What were you very involved in poker at any point? Were you uh, playing seriously at any point, or was this kind of just a casual interest of yours?
3: Um, what, yeah, I don't even remember what year. Right around uh, Moneymaker time, I saw... After watching it on ESPN a couple times, I went and bought, uh, I think it was Lee Jones' Win at Hold'em book, and, was it his? Who, whoever did, uh,
1: "Winning at Low Yeah, at that, that was the first book I ever read of poker, and it is by Lee Jones.
3: Yeah, yeah, so I read that, uh, went online, I think, deposited Hollywood poker, probably, and, uh started playing limit hold and sit and goes and started maybe like $5, $10 up to $30 and um, right around – I never got that good, I should say. I never put that much time into it, but uh, I was certainly good enough to, to beat most everybody playing on those networks back then once the – uh u i g e a or whatever came that uh that kind of brought me back to reality and uh i wasn't playing i i've always played casually since then but um i i was never particularly good you know uh, i didn't have to redeposit very often but i mean i was i'd cash out like a thousand dollars every 2 or 3 months, you know. I see. So Okay. Well, not uh I I could I could never do more than four four tables at a time and I never really wanted to.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, with the with the people on these sites. I never know who was just like a casual player that just kind of found these sites and uh, enjoyed the community and uh, was never all that into poker, at least as a player. And how many of them are like serious players who make a lot of money, like in cash behind the scenes but aren't really known. Like I, I'm sometimes surprised. I'm not going to name who they are because I don't want to out them. But some, sometimes I'm surprised that a guy I just think is just like kind of there in the forum and maybe a low-limit player is actually very a very successful cash player and, and just uh, doesn't like to talk about it. And uh, But then there's other people who have been involved in these forums for seven, eight years and, and barely play poker. Uh, so there's a, a wide range of people here. And uh, it's, it's always just interesting to me to hear where they stand. And uh, so yeah. that that was I,
3: I used to do very well when limit hold and sit and goes were common. And that's a long time ago now. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I never even played those so alright that's uh, th- that's interesting and uh, is there anything else you'd like to say or talk about here
3: um, shout out to Bubbles and uh, shout out to the kitties and that's about it uh, have a good show there.
0: alright thank talk. you very much
3: yeah. take it
1: easy
0: thank you so that's uh, Crow
1: Diddley the voted best poster of PokerFraudAlert.com and we thank him for calling in and uh, even if he was peer pressured by the group want to mention that uh, if you listen on Stitcher or if you know people who do I think it's going to work again after tonight Uh, it wasn't working for the past two weeks and I didn't even realize it but I I believe the fact that we had two shows in one night two weeks ago if you remember uh, we did a short show then I had to leave and then Brandon did his own show for several hours Uh, that screwed up Stitcher and I think now that we're back to one show, I think it will be fine. That, that's the short answer. If it doesn't, I will call up... Not call up, but I'll email Stitcher and make sure it's working again. They didn't kick us off. I didn't leave it. Um, most of the stuff pretty much runs itself. Uh, the way I post to the archives here is I, I go into the radio forum. I make my post of with the description of the show and uh, with a link to the show. And I, I have the forum processing this all by itself automatically for both iTunes and Stitcher and creating an RSS feed. So these things all happen automatically. I don't do them manually. And I guess something screwed up on Stitcher. But iTunes has been working fine. And, of course, you can always find these shows in the archives in the radio forum and just listen to them directly that way. And you can even hear them directly on a smartphone. You don't need iTunes or Stitcher. To listen on a smartphone, I, in fact, I, I don't even use these things to listen to these type of poker podcasts. I just go directly to their link and uh, click on it, and uh, you can listen to this live on your smartphone. If you go to the radio tab, there's actually a link that says "their smartphone users click here," and just click there, and uh, if you have a smartphone, it should play for you right then, live, whenever we're on the air. So that's just uh, something I wanted to mention. Uh, next month, about a month from now, uh, I will be missing a show again. I'll give you the exact date It'll be early in the month So uh, Brandon's welcome to run it uh, With vowels Or by himself or whatever And if they don't feel like it Then there'll be no show that week But I'll let you know as that time comes And uh, I'm very much looking forward To seeing what happens With the Nevada Poker Rooms The online Poker Rooms I'm talking about I hope they're successful I hope that they're good I hope the games are good If they are, I will be there I'll be happy to play on them. It'll be great playing on online poker sites where I know that, number one, much less likely to be cheated, and number two, if I am, there can be some consequence. I can sue people. I can have people put in jail. can't just have people cheating me and getting away with it and walking around Las Vegas like uh, Howard Lederer does, like uh, Russ Hamilton does. So, really looking forward to that. But uh, I have some skepticism that the whole thing may end up being a failure. And that it may really only be low-limit games that really run. But we'll see. We will see. But don't think that we won't have a lot of pros there. I mean, a lot of people are looking for this. A lot of people are anticipating this. And we have too many pros and not enough fish. That will again be a problem. Even if the... um, even if the games run flawlessly from a technical standpoint, if the games just aren't good, if there's too many pros not enough, uh, not enough fish, they won't be worth playing either. I'm, I'm not going to sit around all day playing against other pro players. It's just uh, not worth my time. So uh, let me talk about one other topic here that uh, I had on the agenda. Not uh, worthy of a long discussion, but worth mentioning. I want to talk about um, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps was said by TMZ to have been, I oh, don't let me take a call here before I get to Michael Phelps. It's a 702 phone number. Caller, you're on the air.
0: Oh. Yes.
1: Hey, this is
4: Action. Action, hello. Hey, Druff.
1: Good to hear from you. so uh, what would I you would do- like to talk about tonight?
4: Um, uh, I was I was looking for a little limit hold 'em advice from a from a fellow player. Oh, um all
0: right. this is my
4: first year. Um uh, I was predominantly an online player till till it all went down. And this was kinda of my first year really giving a shot live. Um and I'm in Vegas now full time. And uh, you know, I'm I'm having a tough time getting hours in and you know, I'm at the Bellagio and just seeing don't you know your perspective on, or any, any advice you have for uh, for guys starting out here.
0: Well, I,
1: I'll tell you one one advice I have is to build a time machine and uh, and go back to a previous year because I, I'll tell you I, last time I was down at the Bellagio, I, I there was no sixty one twenty or eighty one sixty game running and you know that's fine. I'm willing to play forty eighty and I uh, walked down to look at the forty eighty game and it was a terrible game. Uh, Mark Gregorich, uh, Jameson Painter. Uh, various other people I recognized as being, you know, decent to good players. I, there is, like, maybe one guy, there are two guys there I didn't know who they were, but that didn't mean they were bad. They could have been good, too, or they could have been okay, too. Yeah. The, the problem was, I'm like, this game looks awful. These these two I don't recognize have to be uh, fish for this game to be any good, and, and I, I, st- st- I stood there watching for about three minutes, and I, I didn't see these guys doing anything blatantly wrong. Of course, you know, three minutes, anybody can look okay. But I, I was very uninspired by that game. And even though there were seats open, I, I walked right back out. And that, that was the last time I was there. Now, I may have, uh, I may have walked in at a bad time, but I, I'm starting to worry that live limit hold'em, the games just aren't very good, at least at the um, at the mid-limits. And the high limits just seems to be gone, like not even running. Yeah. And um, I, I know that uh, you're a capable player, and, and you, you know you've you've had some good results. You you won the uh, first round of the limit shootout this year. Um, I know you've cashed a few times at the like 3K limit and another uh, World Series limit event. So you, I, just, just the World Series results you've had, even though I, I don't think you've had any huge scores, but just the fact that you've had a, uh, a very good record in cashing versus the number of times you played, uh, I think that by itself show that uh, skill wise you're, you're probably a, a pretty good player and uh, um, but but the problem is if, if the games aren't very good and if there's a lot of other pros there and other good players there uh it, it might be hard to, to get a, to get games that are quality where you have a high expectation to win and of course you've got to count into the whole thing the rake and the tips that you leave the dealers so uh it, it can be tough the the grind with with live poker. If I can give you any suggestion... um, And I don't know if this still works. I haven't played very much live this year. uh, Mainly because of Benjamin. But... uh, um, If I can give you some suggestion... uh, Suggestion is that... uh, If the game is still running late at night. If you can find that the game... Seems to run usually pretty late. That... It's best to get some sleep... And then show up late. When everybody else is tired... Mm -hmm nervous is kind of worn down, and a lot of times, you have a lot of the kind of like grinders that are actually kind of like making a full-time job of it, and a lot of them don't like playing all night. I've had it before, where I've sat down in a Limit holding game of the Bellagio, and there, there's a number of the regulars there that I recognize as good players. There's a few donkeys in the game, or semi-donks, whatever. And then the regulars get up and leave. And they're not leaving because the game's bad, they've let, they're they leaving because they've been there nine hours. They, they don't want to play anymore. yeah,
0: yeah and,
4: that's, and that's been my my problem is I'll get there kind of early and then you know it gets later and I get tired and and I'm I'm ready to go home I'm I'm not one to do the graveyard shift much I just don't like I don't like that uh you know what it does to me and how I feel the next day um, but you think the games are noticeably better at, at night? Well, they so can be.
1: Sometimes they just don't exist. Sometimes they do just break down to a few pros who are just playing to keep the game going. In that case, the game sucks and you shouldn't even bother. But a lot of times, you, if there is a fish in the game or two fish in the game, uh, one the game would be shorthanded. Which uh, I, I don't know how good you are shorthanded, but you know since you, you played the limit shootout and 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 you know did well there, and that's that definitely is uh, an edge for shorthanded people. So. Yeah, you, you play shorthanded there typically. If uh, also a lot of the times the the regulars don't want to be there at that time for the reasons you said. They 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 don't enjoy staying up late. They uh, they want to keep their regular life more in order with with the rest of society, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I've just found the coming in fresh where the pros they're either tired or ready to leave and do leave in some cases. And then sometimes I'll. I'll trap a fish in there with, with, with me and two other people and uh, those are the times I've done the best. The, the times I've done the best is when it's me and a few regulars who are kind of not used to shorthanded and play too tight and, and don't really play it right and, and then a, like a, a fish or two and then I just crush provided I get, you know, decent cards. And, and uh, the right. the people who, uh, I, I think coming and playing with all the same regulars every day where everybody's on their best game and and, and you know, it's, six good regulars and, and two okay players against one guy, the last guy at the table who's no good, there's so many ways you can lose there. And uh, yeah. so that, that that would be one piece of advice. I don't know if it's still like that anymore. I haven't been down there in a little while uh, other than you know, the few times I've come and I haven't liked the game and I've walked away. But uh, th- that would be one thing that I'd say is worth doing. And uh, second thing, just in general, just game select well. If you go down there and the game sucks, don't say, well, I haven't played enough hours this mo- this week. I got to play anyway. Right. Just don't play. You'll, you'll just right. burn yourself out. You 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 know, e- even if you can reason to yourself you're a slight favorite in the game, it's it's still probably not worth it. It's it's better to use those hours later on when the game is better. And and uh, even even I had to, uh, you know, even I've made this mistake a number of times of playing in a game that isn't very good and I, I just play anyway. And so many times I left and I'm sorry. I feel sorry that I did. It. So. Okay.
4: What do you, I mean what do you think about just twenty forty playing that i mean are there people really making a, a living at that game I, I feel like there's a lot of regulars in that game and uh, well yeah that's you know, know. I, don't, I don't know how profitable that game is
1: that's another thing that used to be a great game back well you know, back in the day when it was uh actually fifteen thirty and then the, the forty eighty was thirty sixty um but back back in those days, that that 1530 game and even the 3060 game were, were excellent games there at the Bellagio, where there were just a a number of players in that game just about every time who sucked, and and yes, it had some good regulars, but the really good regulars liked to play 100 200 and 8160. So you even a lot of those uh, the best players in the game just weren't there because they didn't want to play those games. So I mean, you could go there and and, and do very well provided you didn't run bad. Uh, my brother, for example, who's not a regular poker player. Uh, he, he's a pretty good player He's not a regular player uh, He just plays occasionally when he goes to Vegas He used to always crush in that game Because because the competition was so bad And, and he uh, he knew how to exploit The bad competition And would, would just keep crushing them And uh, I, I don't think he would have had the same results If he played things like 100-200 But th- those games uh, th- That was a, a great place to be And he would make a lot of money uh, In those games that you wouldn't expect from From those limits but uh, t- today is very different. T- today you have a lot of these people that used to play the 81, and 100, 200. And they're playing 2040. And, and they're, they're actually probably better than they used to be, too. So you have a lot of good players now in those games. So if you see these good players in these games, and you see a lot of them, um, again, it's probably not worth it. And uh, I, I've, one, of my, one thing I say a whole lot and write a whole lot on my forum is that uh, the absence of good players is more important than the presence of bad ones. And that, that's something I, I really feel strongly about in poker with game selection, and I don't think gets talked about enough. I think a lot of people always talk about a good game of being one that has a lot of action, being one that has a lot of players who don't know what they're doing, but they, they don't think about a good game being one where you you show up and you say, you know what, every single one of these people here I know is not as good as I am. Like, if you could say that at the yeah. table and be right, you have a big edge on the table, even if no one is horrible at the table. Just If, you, if there's yeah. just no good people... Then you you really have one up on them and that's uh and and that's actually how a few players uh you know pe- people like durr and other ones rose up to make so much money just from being the best I- at a game you know where they're just one level above the uh the, the competition and and then they can just crush them even though their competition uh typically isn't bad so that's that that's that's how i feel those are my pieces of advice and you know it's uh I, I hate to sound negative about the the poker scene for limit hold'em in Las Vegas, and uh, but uh, that, that's that's what I've witnessed. And uh, you know, if you're going to make the best of it, I would do the things that uh, I just talked about. Okay, thanks. I, I appreciate the advice. Yeah, no problem, and you know, good yeah. luck. And I'm sure I'll see you around there when I uh, I, I stop in again to look at the games. And uh, you know, I, I I have to say, if I if I do stop in again, it's like two in the morning. I probably hope not to see you at the table, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> well. I probably will.
4: Well, I should be there. Uh, I'll have to kind of restructure the schedule now and uh, start, you know, start trying to get the hours in at, at night because right now it's just it's been tough, and um, I've been kind of just patiently waiting for uh, South Point and hoping, hoping there's some limited action there. But you know, it might be the same guys that are in these games that are going to be just logging on.
1: So. Yeah, that's a, that's what I'm a little bit worried about is that there's going to be too many pros there that are just like chomping at the bit to play online poker and. They may outnumber the fish big time, but we'll have to see. It's uh, yeah. hard to hard to predict right now. So, all right. Uh, th- all thank
0: right. You all know, right. Thanks good
1: stuff. That's, That's action, and uh, you know I've seen him around. Uh, nice guy. Used to live in California. Now lives in uh, Vegas, trying to play uh, limit hold'em for a living, and uh, it's tough. I mean, it, a lot harder than it used to be. Limit hold'em uh, playing live. A lot harder at those limits. Um. It's just like what I just described. I'm not going to repeat it all, but it just very, very much changed. A lot of the better players at the top levels went down to the mid-levels. And uh, much harder to win in mid-limit hold'em, limit hold'em, than it used to be. So, uh, it's hard. I'll tell you, I'm glad I don't have to make a living that way right now. Because, um, you know, fortunately, I, I held on to the money I made in the past. But it'd be very stressful for me right now if I had to make a living at that game. And uh, you know, I'm just hoping things will change as time passes. Better online poker legalized on a federal level. You know, I'm waiting for all that. It'd be a very exciting day for me when uh, online poker becomes legalized on a federal level, and everyone can just deposit and play whenever they want. And you can trust it. That'll be a great day. But uh, it's not here yet, and won't be here for a while. Anyway, people, um, I finished talking about Michael Phelps, and unless I get another phone call, I'll be done. Uh, Brandon texted me that he is still out right now. He said, how did the show go? <laughs> he said he's still out, how did the show go? But the uh, show's not over yet. Here, here, hear me going, click, 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 click. That's still going, I just texted him. But that's okay, I don't blame Brandon. Because... I didn't tell him until the last minute That this show changed days Just for this week though Next week we're back to Tuesday And in case you're wondering In case you joined us late The reason this is on Monday instead of Tuesday This week is because I have nobody to watch Benjamin Benjamin is my son He's almost two years old I Can't just leave him by himself <laughs> Can't do radio with him around And uh, Tomorrow, his mother's not available to watch him. So. Spew Artist is asking how many live hours do I play a month? Uh, very few now. Very few. I actually planned to do it more starting this summer, and then it didn't really pan out. But, uh, someone asking for a prank call. You know, if you give me a, a phone number to prank call, I'll do it. Um,. You know a prank call I used to do a long time ago? Just with my friends, like, on three-way? Actually, it's, it'll sound stupid, but it actually worked sometimes. I used to call up girls, and, yeah, you know, it'd be like a girl they would know. It wouldn't be, like, random girls, but, like, they'd give me the number of an ex-girlfriend or something. And I'd call them up and pretend to be a time traveler from the future that was, like, their husband or their boyfriend from the future, and that I'm calling them now because I'm here in the past and I need their help. And it sounds ridiculous, but if I have information about them that's given to me by somebody else and can sound convincing enough and sound desperate enough, sometimes they, they like don't want to hang up just in case it's true. I used to do this when I was like you know 20 years old with friends of mine that uh, would have me like call ex-girlfriends that uh, didn't know my voice. Obviously it doesn't work if you call someone that already knows you. Now, obviously it doesn't work if you're calling someone that uh, you know nothing about. But we got to think about, like, like, let's say you really did go back in time. Let's say, let's say like, I woke up tomorrow, and uh, it was 1989. Like, would I go contact Benjamin's mother, who I didn't know yet. I actually knew her in 91, believe it or not, but I didn't know her in 89. So, like, would I go contact her? And, and say, hey, I, you know, I'm going to be... Uh, you know, you're going to have my kid in 2010. You're going to meet me in two years, then we're going to fall out of contact for a long time, and, you know, come in contact again in 2009, and then, uh, you know, we're going to have a kid together. And then tell her all the stuff I know about her. Even from her, like, self in 1989. Like, like, what would I say to her to convince her of this? And then, I, then I would... Like I, I think about that and then I when I make these calls I try to act in that same character and act like try to know all the things that they would ask me. The same way I would try to prove it if it actually happened. So those are actually kind of amusing calls if the person stays on the phone. Now, a lot of times they're gonna hang up on you and think you're just ridiculous and think you're pranking them, obviously. But uh some are actually afraid to hang up just in case it's true. So if you have an ex girlfriend you want me to prank or uh you know anybody, ex-friend, anyone that you can give me information about and want me to make a funny call, I'll be happy to do it. You can PM me this stuff. I'll never out you. I'll never say who gave it to me. I'll never say anything that would give away who it was. Um, I'm not going to make any kind of like harmful calls. I'll never threaten anyone. I'll never like send someone on a wild goose chase. Like I won't send someone to go meet me 50 miles away and not show up. Um, I'm not going to scam anyone, obviously. But, you know, just calls that are fun calls it are like a joke or just to keep someone on the phone. That uh, that type of thing I'll do. Someone's uh Gro saying in chat that I go method and do method acting with these phone calls. You know, I actually do. I actually when I when I try to make these prank calls I, I actually try to like pretend it's really occurring. I actually try to be the character. I actually try to believe while I'm making the call that I actually I am the character and not that I'm me making a prank call. And they come out the best. Um, anyway. Let me talk about Michael Phelps a little bit, then I'll probably end the show. I've been talking by myself now for three hours. Which I guess isn't that long compared to 50 hours. Still can't believe they did that 50 hours, damn. Brandon told me a lot of after-effects he had from that. I'll let him talk about it when he's on next week, but... Uh, you know when you hear the guys, I, I heard the guys in the like final hour of the broadcast, and they they sounded, um, they sounded like everything was fine. They sounded normal. They didn't sound like they've been doing a fifty hour broadcast. And I'm like, wow, uh, these guys sound like it didn't affect them. Like that's that's amazing. They just just did it, and they're going to go to sleep for like ten hours and wake up and they'll be fine. But of course that wasn't true. Of course that wasn't true. uh, I don't know about the other two but Brandon told me about a a number of physical effects that it had on him and uh, it was tough but they did and they raised a lot of money so very good anyway Michael Phelps let me get to my last topic I was going to talk about here Michael Phelps was uh, there's a report about him on TMZ that he played at the Caesars Palace Poker Room and made a hundred thousand dollars. That doesn't make any sense. That just does not make any sense because uh, Michael Phelps played at a poker room that doesn't spread high limits. The Caesar Palace poker room is not a high limit poker room. What was also weird, there are two pictures of him. One of them had uh, Charter actually, who used to be part of this community, you know, Christian Harder. He wasn't playing. He was like walking by or standing there. But uh, they were using poker chips that looked like they came out of a 99-cent-only-store poker set. Really cheesy-looking plastic chips. Still don't understand that. It was clearly at the Caesars poker room. And in fact, you even see the World Series of Poker emblem on, on the table. It wasn't a World Series event or anything. It was just, a, you know, it was definitely a table there. Um, I, I stupidly started a thread about this today without realizing it was already on our site. <laughs> but, uh, nevertheless, I, I don't believe that uh, he really made 100000 And And, uh, oh, this is interesting. They're claiming now that uh, it was at Paris, Atlantic City. Not in uh, Las Vegas, but it's so strange. I didn't even see that till right now. but uh, there's no way someone will win $100,000 at Caesars Las Vegas and uh, the pictures there were the poker chips uh, these clearly were not cash poker chips anyway so I think the whole story is full of shit I, I think the whole thing didn't happen that way I think he just played some stupid game in Atlantic City I thought it was Vegas, but Atlantic City same thing whatever it is. he plays some stupid game, maybe even just some little tournament or something during the day and then some idiot started up a rumor he won hundred thousand so it's uh, it's a lot of bs but I will say this: uh, Michael Phelps does have an interest in poker, and it's, it's not too hard for these guys to sometimes uh, slide into gambling addictions and that includes poker and lose a lot of money. So I hope that doesn't happen to him. And one other thing Michael Phelps knows, or might know, that I would love to have the answer to. He might know who Peachy Murr really is. you remember Peachy Murr? That that girl that was suspected of being a guy, actually wasn't, but definitely lied about herself, was a PokerStars Pro for a while. This is a multi accounting like Brad L. user account to win a tournament. Remember Peachymer? I posted a lot about her on the uh, scam, scandals, and shadiness forum back in March. But Michael Phelps on his Twitter, which has a ton of followers, and let me go look here how many followers he has. He I think he has hundreds of thousands. Let me see. Michael Phelps. Tell you the Peachymer connection in a second here. Yeah, he has, no, not hundreds of thousands, 1,379,629 followers. 1,379,629. Wow. He's following 304 people. That's it. 304 people he follows, 1.4 million almost are following him. Well, one of the people he's following is Peachy And she made some kind of claim about knowing him. So I wonder if Michael Phelps knows the truth about Peachymer. I wonder if she knows him in some way. Now it's possible he's just one of the many guys that she got to know and kind of conned over the phone. But I don't think Michael Phelps had the time to sit around and AIM chat with Peachymer all day. You know, he's not Mark Newhouse or uh, Brad L. Michael Phelps is a very busy guy. I don't think he has the time to do things like that. I don't think he has time to meet women over the internet who lie about themselves and befriend them enough to follow them on Twitter. So I think it might go deeper than that. He might know her in some way. If I ever meet Michael Phelps, this won't be the first question I ask, but if I ever somehow end up in a conversation with him, I will ask him about Peachymer, Ask him who she is and if he knows her. It's not that important at this point, but just a very curious story and you know this is someone I used to talk to Peachymer there were even rumors on 2 Plus 2 that Peachymer was Michael Phelps but I talked to Peachymer and she definitely was not Michael Phelps I used to talk to her uh, on AIM I talked to her on the phone sometimes definitely not Michael Phelps but uh, yeah Michael Phelps follows Peachymer weird I guess he knows Charter too but uh, Charter isn't much of a mystery, other than the fact that he holds goats. Anyway, 10:52 p.m. on the west coast, and uh, I was hoping we'd have Brandon, but can't wait any longer. And yeah, someone's asking in the chat, when Phelps was busted for smoking weed, wasn't it at a poker player's place? Yeah, it was. Um, He was with poker players when that happened, when that infamous uh, pot-smoking picture came out that uh, hurt his marketability for a while. But I think he's gotten over that, especially with his uh, recent Olympic success. I think people have pretty much forgotten about that. I mean, look, Kobe Bryant came back from everything that happened with him in Colorado he can come back from that, um, Michael Phelps can come back from uh, being caught smoking pot. So. Um, anyway, I, thank you everybody for joining me tonight on this solo show. Glad we got a few people on the phone, uh, Crow Diddley and 408 Mike. I thank both of them for, for coming on here, as well as Action for calling up with the uh, question about Limit Hold'em and the state of uh, poker in Las Vegas and you know, telling us how he felt about it and be giving advice to him, and uh, you know maybe you can help anybody else here who's thinking of playing uh, Limit Hold'em for a living in Las Vegas. It's a pretty tough thing to do at this point. So, thank you to all the callers. Thank you to the people in the chat room and those listening live and those downloading this uh, through a podcast. I appreciate all of our listeners. <laughs> I appreciate all our listeners so much that when we have an unpopular segment or contest or whatever, I listen. And, uh, I change it. I realize the reason I'm listening, I'm doing this show is because people listen. I would not want to do this to talk to myself or to, you know, talk to five people. So, I respect the listeners. I respect the time you give me to listen to what I have to say. And I want to make it interesting for you. I want to talk about what I want to talk about, but, uh, I also want to take into account what people want to hear what people want me to do that's always how I've felt about all radio shows I've ever done if you would like me to have co-hosts just wait till next week and I will Drexel will be back next week Vowels will be back next week and we'll be back at our Tuesday at 7pm time slot instead of this weird Monday at 7.40 sort of thing but I figured doing a Monday show was better than having no show at all because I just can't make it tomorrow. For those of you who looking for internet drama tonight on this show, I guess we had a little bit with ProDivly calling in the questions he had, but all that's going to come to an end, as you may have already seen. We can hopefully get back to the uh, original mission of this site and move forward and uh, less drama, more good content. But anyway... I appreciate all of our longtime listeners I appreciate all our new people We will have a free roll next week I apologize for the technical problems We have this week with our No fraud online poker room That uh, prevented this But uh, we will have a free roll next week for sure Everything will be back to normal next week Co-hosts will be back Free roll will be back Everything will be back PM me any numbers you want me to prank next week I'll do that too You know what? We always have new stuff to do, new stuff to talk about, and next week will be no exception. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Stitcher should work again. That is all. Good night, and I'm the only one to tell you
0: Shalom.